Welcome to a special episode of the Isometric Podcast, a podcast that looks at gaming from a different angle. I am not Steve Lubitz, which you can probably tell by my voice. I don't know if it's a giveaway. Uh, this is Glenn Fleischman. I'm a freelance journalist, the owner and publisher and editor of the magazine. And uh, I was asked to host this special episode uh, by Brianna Wu, the head of development at Giant Space Cat. Brianna, hello. Hey, what's going on? What's crackalacking? Oh my gosh, Dawabunga! Yeah! Woo! This is it's isometric. Uh, We've got to roll like that, you know? It's a great to be, I don't have a catchphrase. It's great to be on your podcast. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. We and, will put um, top minds on getting you a catchphrase, Glenn. I oh promise my God. you. I, we will I need we'll a, work on that. I need one. Uh, spoon, that belongs to the tick. So, <laughs> so one of the reasons we got talked on is you and I have known each other for uh, almost a couple of years yeah. now, I think. And yeah. uh, we've worked together in different capacities, which we're oh. going to talk about. And um, we are both highly disturbed about <laughs> the prevalence of threats and harassment against people on the internet for expressing opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and specifically the threats and harassment against you and yeah. other people we know yeah. and like. And so we're going to talk about a few different things. Some of it's going to be talking through um, both que- with the meta issue of questions that uh, – now I have to look up his name. Milo He's at Nero on uh, – he's a, a great uh, fill-in on uh, Google. Milo, Milo Yiannopoulos, mm-hmm. who is uh, part of Breitbart. He's associate editor in London and uh, at Nero. And he wanted to have you on his podcast. And because of – well, we'll talk about that too. Sure. You did not go on the show. Um, but you got an advanced set of proposed questions, which yep. some of which you found fair and some not fair. And in yep. fact, you sent those to me and I looked them over. And um, we're going to talk through those. So we'll go meta on them, but we'll also uh, we'll also answer them. You're going to talk about them. I'm going to ask you all kinds of questions. You have no idea what I'm going to ask you. I'm gonna ask no, you and I just, I just want to say a few things for our listeners out there. Yeah, yeah, Glenn, you're free to ask me any follow-up that you think is prescient, you know, like my objective here is to just be completely honest with, you know, with you and whoever's listening out there. Like I wanted to go on Milo's show and answer these questions because, I mean, I truly have nothing to hide. And, you know, I'm, I'm delighted to answer these questions. What I don't need is a witch hunt, you know. So um, I'm happy to do this. I also want to disclose to the listeners out there that you, know, you and I are not mortal enemies. I just this want is true. Yeah, that's – I want to be – I have great fondness right. for you. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. listeners. It's true. Um, but that, you know, that's an issue is like I treat you and you treat me with respect. And yep. I feel like when this, when you announced that we were going to do this podcast, I got, you know, I got a tiny, tiny sample of some mm-hmm. of the abuse and harassment people do get online. It was all actually very mild. And mm-hmm. I actually had great conversations with a very small number of people. I had to block a lot of people for, for sort of repeated talking at whatever. But I, I had great conversations with a, a small number of people or at least found a meeting of minds and, and we're able to be uh, uh, polite about it. So, uh, the, w- but when you announced this, people went nuts because, and I, I think I came up with part of it is a lot of people said, you know, Glenn can't be fair and unbiased. And I said, well, I think I can be fair. Mm-hmm. I can't be unbiased. But I, by disclosing our biases and our connections, we think our listeners are intelligent enough to listen to the kinds of questions I ask, how we discuss it, and what your answers are, and my response to that. And the listeners are intelligent enough to know whether or not they think that I'm asking legitimate questions and whether uh, and whether you're answering them legitimately. And also we have respect for each other. So here's the thing I figured out, though. Mm-hmm. I think because of the way that media has become so polarized, and I yeah. mean that left and right, people wanted – when they think of a fair interlocutor, they are thinking about someone who's hostile, yeah. someone who does not believe the person – 
they're talking to. And I think that's a problem with discourse in general. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, it's... I, I think, again, my objective here is to you know, put this information out there. I, I fully accept and I understand that, you know, sadly, you know, the birther movement has kind of come to video games. And just like there are some people that will never believe that Obama is an American, <laughs> you know, there's some people that will just always believe that I'm evil or all these terrible things or you know, I'm in this for money or, or whatever. And I, I'm not ever going to reach those people, you know, and I realize this will be criticized no matter what. But what I do want to do is talk on the record, just openly and honestly about these very tough questions that, um, you know, are here. Yeah. And I think some of it's just like factual issues. And, you know, people, I guess there's an issue when you can't agree on facts or the way in which you evaluate facts. And I think you worked as a journalist. I mm-hmm. work as a journalist. I think we have a, a sense of what objective reality is and how you prove it. And then mm-hmm. you can interpret those in different ways. I think watching um, Ferguson, uh, you know, unfold on social media and in broadcast media at the same time was fascinating to me because I could see a narrative that was literally being described in vines and audio that I could listen to on Twitter, first person people recording stuff and posting photos and watch how the media was in real time spinning it. I totally understand people's distrust of media as a way of interpreting and reinterpreting things and making facts seem false by presenting information in a bad light. And this is true for, I think, right-wing media gets mostly criticized for it because Rupert Mm -hmm. Murdoch has made many, many billions of dollars by creating a kind of media that tells a very specific narrative that feeds off a certain kind of fear and distrust. Mm-hmm. And even though it's media, it feeds off and it makes people distrust everything else. There are absolutely left-wing and other kinds of extremes examples in which yeah. there's distortion that happens, but yeah. no one outlet controls worldwide media the way that Murdoch does. So sure, there may be, sure. you know, a hundred outlets like that in different countries, um, but there's a huge distrust of media that I think is is right. And it's right to be dubious and skeptical, but then you have to establish for yourself a rigorous way of accepting what is true and what is not. Yeah, I, I think that's very reasonable. I, I did just want to say, because we're talking, we're kind of alluding to politics here, I am very careful in my public persona to not, like, make myself out to be, you know, one party or the other party. Like, I, everyone here can probably guess how I vote. But I just, I just want to put that out there, that I've tried very hard to treat this like, it's a women's rights issue. And, you know, I have voted for Republicans. I have voted for Democrats. And I've always thought a lot of women, you know, no matter how I voted there. Uh, so I just want to be very clear that, you know, right, my main mission here is not a political mission. It's one of, you know, treating women fairly, which I think is an apolitical issue. I think that's fantastic. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat and mm-hmm. progressive, and I do not want to take the guns away from all my friends. Right. I have friends who have guns and they're responsible and I want everyone to be as responsible as my friends with various guns. So fantastic. I do not, I, I think people want to pigeonhole us into, uh, you grew up in Mississippi. I did. I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, home of the superannuated hippie. And, uh, and yet we have ideas that fall outside of the boxes. <laughs> it's very true. Which it's very true. It's so very true. let's do the disclosure thing. People were really upset and uptight about uh, a lot of things. And uh, and I understand some of it, and I don't understand all of it, but let, let's walk through our disclosure because we, we we promise people, I don't want to kowtow to things that are unreasonable, but I think as we talked about it, I'm like, all right, well, I legitimately forgot that I gave $25 to your, um, your port 
uh, Kickstarter, bring uh, Revolution uh, 60 to 60 PC. To the yeah. PC. Yeah. I, I forgot you did too until I got tweeted at yeah. me. So. And I supported Anita Sarkeesian's uh, Kickstarter because she was yep. being horribly harassed and doxxed and abused. And, and uh, I support her message. And I like her videos and, and, uh, and I watch it. So, oh my gosh, I've, I've gave her 20 bucks or something mm-hmm. too. So, um, and then you, I think you supported my Kickstarter at the magazine. If I've I remember supported right. both of them. Yeah, wait, we're number yeah, we're number two now, right? Mm-hmm. And that's underway. And uh, uh, I did not pay you, but the previous owner of the magazine paid you an article fee yep. for writing your great essay, and then I paid you an additional fee for putting it in the magazine, the book Year One. Yep. Uh, and we're and friends. By the way, that like, was one of the yeah. best things I've ever written, and you're you're a fantastic editor on that. I'm Thank very, very proud much. of that piece. Yeah. Oh, we like each other. This is yeah. Terrible. So, oh this is God, terrible. I'm sorry. I'll try Don't to hate you for the next liking hour. Me. Right. Stop liking but, me. But but I think I mean so that's the extent I think of our business relationship. I'm not an investor in your company. I have nope. no stake in the outcome nope. of the game. I have never reviewed the game. Nope. I have no plans to review the game. I, I recommend it yeah, to people. Yeah, yeah. Are you, are you even re- a gamer? Have you played my game? I, I'm not really a ga- so <laughs> my, I'm not really a gamer. Right. I'm uh, I uh, I used to be more of a gamer when I was younger, and I, I have too much of an addictive personality, and so I backed off. I do casual gaming. I'm actually looking forward. I'm playing Portal several years too late, okay. and I'm looking forward to to actually playing more games. The funny thing about um, this whole controversy, it's actually made me want to be more of a gamer, oddly <laughs> enough, because I've heard so much about really interesting, deeply narrative games, some of them on the the an, end of the spectrum that, you know, let's say the traditional gamer community that's reacting to this critique uh, of gaming and women, and, uh, you know, representation of women in gaming, uh, that they, some on the end that they find either distasteful or not games, and mm-hmm. others that are really square in the middle. I'm not a big person for violent stuff, but I'm really interested in Shadows of Mordor, despite ah, everything around that. Ah. So, so I've actually, this has opened my eyes to the range of narrative and storytelling that's being told. And uh, also the quality of graphics. At, at so. some point, we will we'll get you hooked up. We'll we'll get you addicted to games. That's at some great. point, we'll That's figure out how to do that. So I think that would be great. That would yeah. be the wonderful irony is that this made me <laughs> yeah. into because it makes gamer. me want to play games a lot less. Um, I, I know, can't, I know. Well, yeah, it's your, yeah. can't, you can't escape it, and I'm no, like, oh, I'm being can't. exposed to all the all the good and interesting parts. So the other thing is, so I don't I don't write games journalism. I've written about say Cards Against Humanity. I've written some economic analysis of it for the Economist, and and I should point out this is an independent podcast. I'm doing it. At your behest. I'm not mm-hmm. representing any media Not being outlet. paid. Not being yeah, paid. Not being paid. Oh, and I should point out, this is the thing too. I realize that people may not understand what a freelance journalist is. And I, I'm not trying to talk down to anybody. Sure. But to me, I, like I am so deep in that world that I never thought about what it looks like from the outside. And uh, and suddenly a couple of questions came up today. And I thought, oh my God, do people, like I'm not representing what I do to people who don't know what I do. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, your role is clear. You're a game developer. You have, uh, you know, you raise money. You built a game and you're selling it like that's yep. a really and you sometimes write opinion pieces for various publications and and I do a lot of public speaking and have mm-hmm. for years now primarily talking about women in tech and sometimes about you know technical issues like the Unreal Engine uh, you know so I'm I'm a public speaker. Yeah, and so I, you know, occasionally do conference stuff, but most of how I make my living comes from uh, essentially like uh, well, sort of a few different pipes. But the primary ones are, uh, uh, I was going to say, Gawker Media pays me, but they don't. I've never worked <laughs> for Gawker. Sorry, that's that's too inside <laughs> that's a joke. Probably funny. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's not. Is, it, is that? It's probably uh, probably a bad joke right now. I'm sorry, but um, no. Primarily, I you know I run the magazine, which is uh, which is winding to a close. It's had a run and. 
the subscriptions are down. I've been open about that. whole. I've been ridiculously transparent <laughs> about that. Yeah. And that's been a chunk of how I make my living is, be, mm-hmm. is people paying subscriptions. So it's subscriber supported. People like it, pay for it. And doing that one Kickstarter, now doing a second for the second book. Uh, disclosure, I will make money off the second book if it falls <gasps> because I will be paying people to do things. Um, it's worth disclosing. And <laughs> the second the second ch- chunk, though, so the freelance journalism, uh, if you're not in a newsroom, if you're not a journalist, a freelancer uh, – God, I hope this doesn't sound condescending because I'm not no, no, trying no. to be. This I'm is just going to be really These explicit. are factual. Okay. If you're factual. staff – so there are people who – so publications have employees and then they have contract people. And a freelancer is a contract person who typically may or may not have like an ongoing relationship with a publication. I've written one piece for the New York Post, for oh. uh, for instance, in 2007. Uh, I've written you know hundreds of pieces for Macworld. I've written several hundred pieces for The Economist. I do not have an employee-employer relationship with any publication currently, and I, I really haven't oh. um, for most of my career, in fact. I've never actually wow. worked as a staff writer. Wow. So, yeah, so everything I do is a one-off piece, and sometimes I have a standing gig, and I agree to extra terms for that. And then I agree to the ethics policy of every publication for which I write. So The Economist has actually an incredibly hilarious and wonderful ethics policy that is – it was the kindest, most interesting, funny thing to read that the editor-in-chief sent out a couple years. We all had to sort of sign and agree with it. And what it says, the, the bottom line is you don't take anything of substantial value for some from people you write about. If you have a relationship with people you write about, you disclose it. Your editor need to be fully informed about what you do. You're an adult. Make good decisions. That's hmm. kind of what they're all – and there's some more specifics in there. But it even has an example. And I thought this was great. It's like if somebody gives you an inexpensive bottle of wine, that's OK. If right. they give you a case, that's not really OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crossing the line. That's crossing <laughs> right. the line. Definitely. So – and you know, and you see this in journalism all the time. This is what exploded with Murdoch's uh, – oh, I've forgotten the name of the publication. It was shut down in uh, in the UK because uh, his editor-in-chief, Rebecca Brooks, I think it was, and uh, David Cameron had the the prime minister of England had a very close relationship and it probably affected it, a law enforcement and whatever. Like, you, you know, you don't want close relationships like that. But so as a freelancer, I agree to the ethics policies of these different publications and whatever I produce for them, if there's any entanglement. So here's a great example, Brie. I, uh-huh. I think you'll appreciate Go for it. it. Go for it. Max Temkin is a friend of mine, somebody I really like, I respect. Hmm. He's gone through a rough time recently. It's a very complicated issue we won't get into. But um, I've had a million conversations with people about Max. He's been incredibly supportive and generous to me with his time. He sponsored my podcast. Well, I wrote something a few months ago about Cards Against Humanity because they're they're switching out of uh, using Amazon for its primary fulfillment. They're doing it directly. It's a very right. interesting story. And so I told my editors, here's, you know, he sponsored, like all the stuff. I gave them the entire thing and they're like, that's great because what you're writing about isn't promoting him. You disclose to us and you can, and I think I even mentioned the article, something like, you know, that he was a friend. Like that's cool too because it was disclosed and out there. And that's the economist policy is they treat their readers like adults and they ask our writers to do that. And so here's the crux and I don't mean to go on and on about sure, this. Sure, sure, sure. We're talking about ethics and journalism. <laughs> um, I mean it, it, actually it's about ethics and journalism uh, is that I can't engage as a freelancer in any behavior that would reflect poorly in any of the publications to which I contribute if I want to keep writing for them. Mm-hmm. So I would never use the economist's name to get me anything. There's actually a great line in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one of the later books where the, the po- ethics policy of Hitchhiker's Guide for Ford Prefect is you can never, ever, ever Ever use the name of the guide to get anything or do anything? Well, huh. unless your life's in danger or you really want to. Yeah. That's their ethics code. <laughs> Doesn't work that with other publications. So sure, I, can, sure, I can't sure. get things free. I can't ask for stuff. I can't use it to threaten people or blackmail. If I ever did any of those things, 
it would very likely come out. And yeah. if it did, my career yeah, is that would end your career. career. Yeah, Very and quickly. so there's some. I mean, so that's sort of the the base thing. But it's also I couldn't. Uh, let's say um, I, I don't write about autos, but I was just talking to an automotive journalist, and they automotive journalists have paid junkets where, and, and I, I can't accept that. But there's people. It's very common in automotive. Like if you read Mr. Uh, Jalopnik, I think it's called. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they uh, will actually accept the money for expenses for trips for the reporters and they fully disclose it. Okay. I don't like that, but they disclose it. So if you're not going to listen to what they say because you think they're influenced by the fact that their expenses were paid mm-hmm. to get to, you know, to go drive these cars, then you know that it's out there. And maybe you never read that site. Maybe that site loses all credibility because sure. they're only favorable. But, but it's and out there. in so, that same way, like our, if you're listening to this right now and you like make up your own mind, like that's the beauty. Exactly. You know, so we're disclosing all of this. Yeah. If before we start, can we just I, I just want to talk a little bit like you've talked about the standards you hold yourself to as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my background is in journalism. Uh, you know, so I studied in college and, you know, but that said, I'm not a journalist. I'm a businesswoman. Uh, you know, I'm a software engineer. That said, um, I just want to say a thing or two um, about the standards that I hold myself to, because I really liked the essay that you, you wrote about that. Oh, you um, can find that I, at, at glog. I'm going to promote myself. Glog.glenf.com. G-L-O-G. G-L-E-N-N-F.com. And you can find a long essay I wrote. It was, it was about a fantastic piece. Fantastic piece. But, you know, for me as a businesswoman, in my, my capacity to attract talent, in my capacity to lead a team, in my capacity to you know, speak about issues you know, affecting women in tech with credibility. I, I, I know I'm not going to convince some people of this, but this is the absolute truth. I really take treating, you know, I, I, I take the way I present myself very seriously. And I try to be as open and honest about things as I can. You know, obviously, we work in a very political industry and people sometimes tell me secrets and I cannot spread that. And, you know, so it doesn't mean to just say the truth all the time, but I could say in the way I represent myself, I really do try to be open and honest about things. It's, it's a really crucial component if you're leading a team because you can't hire people and ask them to trust your vision, you know, work their butts off for years if they think like you're a scumbag, you know, like indie, indie dev is not that big that you're going to work for someone that's evil. You know? I, I want to tell you so, something is also right, a yeah. key point about your mm-hmm. story is yeah. that you shipped a game. Yeah. Like, I think that's a critical point to make because I think there's a lot of narrative um, structure around like, it, I think there's a lot of, and let's say, I, I, we'll get into the whether, you know, what's defined as Gamergate, but there's a lot of narrative around uh, women in game development specifically, yep. Yep. as well as secondarily women and people of color in game mm-hmm. development and in, in games journalism, that uh, everyone's a poser. And, uh, <laughs> and I think this comes up again and again. I want to say that one giant piece of your credibility in terms of your ability to do something is that you made a game and you shipped it and a lot of people like it and the response i, I didn't just uniform. make a game i made yeah. a wonderful ridiculously ambitious game <laughs> oh my for, God, for a team my size and we made yeah. a heavy rain meets mass effect is a four hour long movie 
And we did it with, you know, scrap metal and duct tape, you know? Right. And no so, one can, no one denies you've got posi- – I mean you have critical, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, yeah, varying scores. Sure. But they're critical in the sense of you did something that people are, are finding worthy of review. Yep. And some people love it. Some people don't love it as much. Some people don't like it. If you look at the professional reviews, you know, this can get into the ethics and journalism. We'll call it blah, 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 whatever. But it's like uh, – it's that people whose uh, job and time it is to review games and see a ton of them and people are dedicated gamers and play lots of games, you're getting uh, – uh, I want to say like a very – like I say, critical response in that it's not always positive. Mm-hmm. But people are reacting to the things they like or don't like and treating it as a serious work, which they should. Yeah, I, I also think there's a very interesting gender breakdown that women tend to score my game much higher than men do, but that's a whole different thing. Anyway, it's, I think I think we've talked about the background. Do you kind of want to do you want to get into it? Or do I you do. Like, I know this yeah. is like the 20 minutes of preamble, but to make yeah, sure is there I'm anything sorry, else? Everybody. Right? We talk, yeah. No, it's but I think this we're going to get attacked is, no matter what. So you know, well, this we, is the meta story. People, to, yeah. People thought we weren't going to talk about how we knew each other or what biases. And I think having gone through – I know. And I'm like, we're not – I just think there were a lot of confusion about what this was going to be. And it's like it's a conversation between people who know each other, respect each other enough to be honest with each other in a format that's both live and that's going to be recorded and, and posted for posterity. Sure. Uh, and so, as uh, we're doing let's, this, I just want to encourage you. Like, yeah. Anything you think that's relevant to the audience – like, I mean, feel free to ask it. Like, I don't care if it makes me. All right, so let's start with this one. So, sure. did you make up being threatened and being forced to leave your home? No, God, no. All right, there we go. Well, this, and actually, I'm asking that out of like humor, partly because um, this gets back to the business ethics question. We'll get we'll get into the full list of questions and talk about this in a second here. But it's the it's the um, there is this narrative among what seems to be way too many people. There's the professional victim narrative, oh. and there's the uh, the as uh, attention whore narrative, and mm-hmm. there's the um, like what is it false flag narrative, and these all come like. A lot of what we're seeing in this whole response is uh, narratives that come out of uh, – I don't think they're exclusively – I want to say they're not exclusively like reactionary and right-wing narratives because you uh-huh. see some of the same elements. I've, in, I've heard those terms used at left-wing events. Before. Yeah, I have too. So, false flag yeah, is something yeah. that comes up there too is when somebody uh-huh. create. you know, th- this is the thing. The classic one, of course, is I, I, it's time to invoke Hitler. Let's invoke Hitler uh, is uh, the Horst Vessel uh, uh, shirt, the, uh-huh. which is the, one of the defining events in the rise of uh, the National Socialist Party in Germany is that uh, a fellow Horst Vessel was killed. And his bloody shirt was waved as a flag, and they wrote oh. a song, and he was made into mar- martyr. And I, I'm forgetting all the detail, but like I, I don't think that's where false flag comes from. But it's it's this idea that you take an event that is unrelated, like uh, that is not representative of what it's being represented as, and you use it as a tool to get people on your side. Right. So, but I feel like the people who throw this, like it's one thing if you are a multi million dollar a multimillionaire politician and you're uh, you're trying to stage something to do with an election and you have resources and people and whatever it's like you are an independent game developer yep. and the <laughs> the thing i come back to is if you doxed yourself and right. um here's this is a question that that Milo was going to ask let me ask so so you filed uh reports with the police and the FBI is that correct yep. Well, so, let me let yeah. me be very accurate here. Yeah. And because yeah, one of the things is we have time here. I'm not mm-hmm. on CNN where they're running me through a gauntlet of questions. Right. I want to be very specific 
and completely accurate here. So when this happened to me, um, I did invite the police to my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was that Friday. That was that Friday. Sounds so like Friday. they they came here amazingly quickly. It was awesome. Uh, my town is not that large, um, and you know the cop was just stunned. And you know I I think it's probably accurate to say that many police are not super up to you know, the highly technical you know drama rama world that we live in. So I tried to talk to him about. Twitter and Gamergate is not, it's, it's going over, you know, it's just not connecting emotionally with him. Right. It's not, and, I mean, a lot of cops are on Facebook, as far as right, I can tell. And right, so, like, if right, it's a Facebook related right, thing, right, right. they might get it. They may right, have read national right. stories about Facebook. Sure, right? but they're not, they're not tweeting. And he's just sitting there and he was looking at my screen and going, oh my God, this is crazy. Oh my God, this is crazy. This is nuts. This is, you know, he was just very stunned by it. So, um, the cop came that night. Um, and, you know, obviously we fled our home. Um, the next morning I called the Boston, uh, FBI. And the reason I called that is because like many other people, I'd read the stories about the FBI starting a specific, um, unit to work with Anita Sarkeesian's threats. Mm -hmm. So I don't know anything about that. Like I had no firsthand account with that. I was just like, Hey, maybe this is going to be related. It's probably the same people, which is why I called the FBI. Um, the police department in my town, which is Arlington, Massachusetts, are not equipped to deal with uh, cyber crimes. Uh, and so there was a police report filed. I don't know if there are any charges. Um, right, because and- they don't have a. They don't have a. I mean, they don't have a, a culprit. Like okay, a, so John I want to say right? one thing here. There's yeah. some details of this case that the police are investigating, so I, I can't comment on that. And it's oh, not sorry. trying okay, to right. hide anything. I just no. So, I get it. So let's yeah, well, let's say this. Yeah. So you so there so uh-huh. you called the police. So there's a public right. record. You called the police. Yep. They are investigating it. There's yep. if, if that can. Well, that and can I be can confirmed. say this. Right. I could say this too. They bumped me to, and I'm not sure if it's a Massachusetts thing or a Boston thing, but there's some cyber crimes unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is here in Massachusetts. And I talked to this detective and, you know, there are subpoenas involved and it, it does take time. So, um, again, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on an ongoing investigation, but I will okay. tell you, I'm, yeah. I'm telling you what's happened openly and honestly. And once this is over, I invite journalists to go look at the public record. If the police will give it to you, I'm no issue yeah. with that. And I just, you know, I'm working on a story right now about uh, a harasser, totally, let me say, totally unrelated to gaming Great. entirely. It Great. has to do with the university. It's a very interesting story, I think. And I've been requesting records from uh, the police, and it's interesting to interact with them and the stuff that they can confirm and can't, and what's considered private and what yeah. exposes people to more risk involving restraining orders and things. So, but here's where I want to come back to the business ethics thing. Mm-hmm. You need to raise money. Independent gamers, I mean, some people self fund off credit cards and eat sure. ramen for three years. Sure. The scale of what you did, you you raised money. You mm-hmm. have uh, investor or investors. I, don't, mm-hmm. won't pr- I know it's pri- you know you're a privately held company. You don't have to disclose sure. any details about sure. that. But you've talked a number of times. You raised a half million dollars. This game shows it. You had staff. Mm-hmm. You released it. You've got some sales. If you were to file a false police report, right. if you were to call the FBI, and we could you know at some point I don't know the FBI verifies things. They place things closer to the best. But if it came out that you had fabricated this, you created a Twitter account. Uh, you'd hired someone else to do it. Um, d- 
what would this do to your business reputation? It would, would you destroy be able to, it. I would never yeah, get invited you, to a conference again. I would be embarrassed to show my face at GDC or PAX. Uh, it would completely destroy my complete credibility. And, so you have to leave you know, the industry in which you've been working for years. And yeah, then, which is my dream it. job, by the way. You can read my essay that I wrote for the magazine two years ago, and you can see the passion that I have for this. I am really good at my job. And yeah, I would never risk that, ever. You and know. I think that's where I keep coming back to. I feel like the people who are the people who are, and again, I don't want to. I'm not going to define exactly who that is yet, because we'll keep talking about it. We're going to get into the GamerGate definition and so forth. Is mm-hmm. is people who want to allege that you, uh, that Anita Sarkeesian, that Zoe Quinn, and that I think other people have been threatened, and maybe less. I think you three are the the ones who've actually felt the need to leave your homes for a period yeah. of time or or forever. As I don't know if Zoe's ever going home, based on what she's talking about, or to yeah. the, the residence that's been doxxed. Yeah, uh, and uh, that the idea that this is somehow convenient for you that it gives <sighs> you access to uh, sympathy and it lets you change. Like, for instance, I mean, you're still you're working on releasing the PC version of your game, right? Yeah, this has I been mean, a huge distraction for my career. I've got nothing yeah. done in the last three weeks. Uh, I'm yeah, worried my something... I'm worried my team is angry at me because, um, like, we have Scrum every single Monday morning, and I've just have not been present. And yeah, I feel very guilty about that. Um, so, Wait, so the so yeah. the idea that this is somehow beneficial to you makes me feel that people accusing you of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, there's no foundation. There's no evidence that I have seen, or that I think anyone sees, because I do not believe it exists. Well, I mean, there's, this goes back to the. Uh, this goes back to the abuse. Actually, we'll bump up into one meta level, which is when somebody says they've been abused, they've been mm-hmm. sexually harassed, they've been sexually assaulted, they've been bullied. The first reaction should be that we believe them. And it doesn't yeah. matter if they're a man or a woman. It doesn't right, matter their race, right, ethnicity, right, right, background. Right. You believe them. Uh, uh, Milo said that someone sent him a syringe and he posted a photo of it. Yeah. I believe that happened. I do I too. Some I do too. Sick yeah. person who did that to him. Now, it's possible that it didn't, but I don't have any evidence of that. He said it's true. I'm not going to, knowledge... yeah, I'm not going to like, you know, guess about that. I have right. no evidence. I'm going to take him at his word. Yeah, and it, you know? and it sucks, and I hope he reported it, and yeah, I, I hope do too. it gets investigated because whoever did that is a sick human being and should it's, be it's in deplorable. jail for it. We shouldn't, yeah. we shouldn't have threats of violence or dangerous things like that in, in yeah. discourse. I mean, now, we just we just shouldn't. It's, now, I know there period. are people yeah. – Well, but I know – here's the problem, and I think this is where we start to get into definitions of what are mm-hmm. the groups we're talking about is there are people absolutely uh, – and people I know who are like, Milo's making it up. And, and my reaction, of course, is initially is like, oh, that's very convenient, isn't it? But then I'm like, no, no, no. He said it. He's putting his reputation on the line. If it were proven that he did it to himself, how would that – that would be terrible for him. That would destroy yeah. his career. You know, yeah. Even in his market where he's got a really you know f- furious following and whatever and it's very ideologically – Whatever it would be, terrible. It'd be ridiculous, and it's happened. There's other people who are, you know, have been uh, left and right who have who have said things, you know, have been a, said they're victims of attack, or whatever. And it's turned out, police find out they are. They did it right. themselves, and it's yeah. destroyed them. We don't hear about those people yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do want to return to something else, though. And yeah, you know, again, my my goal here is to be open and honest with yeah, with yeah. the audience. And it is it is probably true that all of this has has risen my profile. Like that is that is a fact. I've gotten a lot of media about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there's no, you know, 
it's something that really bothers me is people that like think I haven't been talking about women in tech for years because I have. I and mean, Glenn, you followed me back on app that freaking net. Like what did I talk about 90% of the time? It was women I was watching in tech, YouTube right? of you two years ago. Right, I mean, right. This is right. not a new topic. Right. You know, this is something I'm very passionate about, you know, and I mean, even before any of this Gamergate stuff happened, I considered myself a successful woman. I own a company that shipped a, you know, a great game that many people love, you know, that, you know, it, it's, it's doing well. You know, I have a show on 5x5. Five five. This is one of the, the show we're doing right now. This is one of the things I'm proudest of. Like when 5x5 five five started, this was before I got into this industry. And it was like my dream to be successful enough one day to have a show on this network. You know, um, I've spoken at PAX and PAX East. Um, you know, I did I360. I've, I've done Business of Software Conference. Um, right now, I literally have more conference invites than I can accept. So it's true that this has risen my profile. But a lot of help from that to begin with. I mean, I was a well-known person in this industry, which is kind of small. So, yeah. Well, let's also talk about, I mean, we know we know plenty of people who, uh-huh. uh, mostly women, who uh, write about games uh, in various ways, some of them that's very tangential to them, and they've been forced into a position where almost defensively they wind up writing and talking all the sure. time about women in tech, women in games, and right. it's not what they want to do, and then they get given uh, they get oceans of crap basically because that's all they talk about, and they're like, really, what I'd rather be yeah. doing is talking about games, writing about games, and I feel like for you... You know, let's say that there are now uh, 50 million people in America who have uh-huh. seen you on some form of media, you know, in the airport, on the TV, whatever. It's probably, let's say it's not that big, whatever, whatever the number is. People know yeah. your name now. They've seen it in passing. It, it doesn't actually help anybody. It doesn't help you because you're, you don't sell no. yourself as a product. No, I'm, I'm um, a software you're not engineer. A, you know, Brianna right. Wu and the Wuettes. Yeah, you know, you don't have oh, a band God. called the no. Brianna Woos. Your games, no one, it's, your game is not being promoted. And you're not selling more copies of it because your name is everywhere as someone who had to flee. Well, actually, if we want to be very accurate, because that's my goal here, we, because of the Dunbar number for however it works with Apple, for whatever reason, the game is not listed under Giant Space Cat. It's listed under Brianna Wu. Oh, yeah, But that's been an act. I've been meaning to get that. Oh, yeah, but nobody – no one searches on iTunes. I mean, people people search for you. They could find the game. Oh, Brianna Wu software. They'll find it. But you're not out there. It's not Giant Space Cat. Producers of Revolution 60 present women who had fled from her house can i tell you a story like so the media the media came here and they shot something in our office um god this was i can't even remember what day it was after all this happened it may have been saturday it was so the local news comes and there are literally two camera crews from two different stations i think it was abc and cb uh, cbs in our house and they want to shoot me, and they want to shoot me in front of this Revolution 60 poster. And I was like, guys, I really don't want to shoot it here because I don't want it to look like I'm selling my software. Right, like, I right. do not need money that badly. Like, I, I want to – and I've I've worked really hard over the course of this to actually mention my game as little as possible on my Twitter, which is, you know, considering it's my product and how I make a living, I, I would just like people to understand what a – do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah. that's that has a cost associated associated with it. So yeah, I've actually I feel like I've gone out of my way to like escape that impropriety. But I think 
I think one of the people, I think one of the reasons people react to me is on um, women in tech is I think like is humans were really built to like detect you know, genuineness in people. And, you know, I think like, like what happened to Zoe? Like Zoe is a victim of something that's exponentially worse than what happened to me. And my, my heart bleeds for her. Um, and Zoe does talk about women in tech, but, you know, I think Zoe's main mission is kind of getting her life back together at this particular moment, as it, as it really well should be. I think what people are kind of responding to of me is I think it's, it's very clear that this is something I'm passionate about. I am, I am angry about the way women are treated in tech in the video game industry. I care a lot about making it better. And it, it, it really, it hurts me. Like I had a meeting at PAX this year with someone that is well known in our field who, you know, was kind of pushed out of the door in, in some ways. And I don't want to get out into it, but it was, it, it seemed to be gender based to me. And when I hear stories like that from, from women in the industry, it, it hurts me. And because I grew up in Mississippi and I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the face of evil. I've seen racism daily growing up in Mississippi. I saw sexism every day growing up in Mississippi. I saw anti-Semitism every day growing up in Mississippi. You know, even with the, my own family who are racist and homophobic in ways they don't understand, you know, and it makes me really angry when I see that. It's just part of my personality that I have to stand up for that. I, 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 I just built in a way where I couldn't live with myself if I didn't try to say or do what I thought is right. And I, I think that comes across in my public persona. Yeah, and I think there's um, this is again an issue of uh, uh, training how people respond to media is that I think there's a problem right now is that people, uh, and again, I don't know if I can define this. Like I hate to define things in terms of right wing, left wing and everybody else, but like there's, let's say an extremism. There's an extremism that if you buy into a worldview in which uh, everything is a conspiracy, then the words people use can't be real. And I would say this comes out on the right, on the, like not the right wing, that's not exactly right, but the sort of conservative trailing edge uh, of politics more um, but I guess more specifically, it's really like an older bigotry that's often associated with the right wing, rightly or wrongly, but it's often where you find it. And you certainly, yeah. I certainly have liberal relatives who sure. use the N word and terrible things like that. These are people I do not talk to at the moment, right? Sure, sure. And so it's not exclusive, but it's often associated with, you know, often older people or like, uh, you know, rural, there's like these associations you make. And so here's the thing. Uh, not that long ago, there were all kinds of words you could use in public conversation. No one would mm-hmm. call you on it. Right. Um, you know, the, our postpartum doula was telling us when she grew up in Chicago, there was open child abuse going on in families around her, you know, 50, 40 years ago. And mm-hmm. everyone knew it. And the police didn't do anything. There's actually there's no charges they could bring. No one would do anything. The kids were being abused emotionally, physically, maybe even sexually. And this was known. Mm-hmm. And <sighs> no one could do anything about it. Right. So that doesn't happen anymore. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm sorry. That's not acceptable. Right, no right, one would right. no one would view that in any way as an acceptable. The 
framing of it is is different. Right. Nowadays. You can't right, use the yeah. N word in public. You can't yeah. use it casually. You People can't do in Mississippi. People right, do but in you Mississippi. Can, but but in the, it's the right circumstance. They know how yeah. it'll be received outside of very limited peer groups. Right. So we yeah. have this compression going on where there's groups of people who feel like their ability to express themselves in a way that they think is genuine is being compressed, and they turn to code words and do, code words and dog whistles, and they use yeah. phrases and things. And we see this in national politics, and you see it left and right. You see people say something, but they actually mean something totally different, and the base understands it, but the, the sure. words they're saying are not themselves offensive. And sure. I think because of this, people have been trained, especially if you spend a lot of your time listening to media that's at an extreme, and you don't listen mm-hmm. to a wide, you don't listen to thing, opinions that aren't yours, and you don't listen to, say, a moderate media or a very highly objective middle ground media, which is not entirely objective, which at least purports to be, that you always read things into things that aren't there. So yeah. you hear a term, you see, like, this is the case, I think, we will get onto the other questions, I promise, but this yeah, is the thing with the, yeah. Anita, Anita Sarkeesian's videos. People listen to them, and if you take them at face value, you don't posit an agenda. And now I grew up in Eugene, Oregon, which is an incredibly crunchy town. And um, I, I've heard not everything she said before, but I know these concepts from when I was not in the mother, my mother's womb. I didn't grow, wasn't born there. But <laughs> I grew up with this. I grew up with this. I grew up around trans people. I grew up around uh, people are openly gay in my, uh, you know, people dating each other in my high school. I, I grew up around feminists. I've always considered myself a feminist. And I've learned a lot more about what I thought I knew in the last few years. So when I listen to Anita's you know, t- uh, videos. To me, it's a really interesting academic dissection of something that I hadn't considered. Yeah. And it's academic critique presented very fairly with examples. And if I dis- and I don't agree with everything she says. Do you agree with everything Anita Sarkeesian says? Pretty much, yeah. Well, no, but I mean everything yeah. specifically. Do you watch her videos and say every single point she makes? I have no disputes over. Well, I think she and I, there, right. she and she and I hold different. This is. She and I hold different views on, you know, uh, the representation of women in a in a sexual way. Uh, like, for instance, she was very critical of Bayonetta, who is a very over-sexualized uh, female character. I find her as camp and empowering. It's no secret if you've played my game that I like, you know, I find sexy, powerful women to be enjoyable. Um, right, that he, said, but, I also realize it's problematic. So, but, but I, I, yeah, so yeah, I want to I yeah. seize on that for a second because sure, sure, sure. here's the thing. There's a view that if you're in an ideological camp, you can't disagree with any of the tenets. You don't agree with her about – it's not one of her principal tenets. A lot of her stuff is about victimization and sure. representation. You and she have a, uh, a basis of disagreement about one of the areas in which she's talked about quite a bit. Uh, but you uh, – you know, I, I would argue, I would guess, you don't think she has an agenda. She's not trying to destroy your games, right? I mean, you know, I've talked to Anita, and I what I get when I talk to Anita is someone who's very genuine, you know. So, uh, you know, I I I don't. I mean, well, I'm not trying to pick yeah, a fight. Yeah, I know yeah, this is this yeah, is where it gets yeah, awkward. Is that yeah. right now? And this is where you wind up when you have ideological camps that are fighting each other. Even if one camp feels, as I think is just, that they're being attacked, that they're being made into a responsive. Uh, have to respond to victimization and harassment, and I think I feel like that's the situation that we're I, engaged I, in. I guess I'd say this, and you know, I do yeah. want to get to the questions, but I, I think, I we're think, actually addressing them in little bits yeah. and pieces. We'll sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I think if you, I tend to look at things through like a, a very big historical lens, and I think one of the patterns we've seen over and over again in history is we invent a technology and then we kind of discover the consequences of that technology. And I think what we're learning right now is we're going through a phase that would happen to, it's happening to our society, but it would happen to any society 
when you go from having the media and the culture like very narrow with like three cable channels to everything being connected in the information age. And I think what is inevitable for any society, it doesn't show a flaw in Republican or Democrat or you know, Christian or non-Christian or Islam is just part of the human condition is I think it makes this fragmentation explode. And I think it started in the 90s with politics when it kind of got a lot nastier. And I think like we've seen it get nastier and nastier. And now I think we're seeing that polarization move sadly into video games. So I kind of see it as just a, an inevitable historic phenomenon. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. And I mean, I think it's uh, like as a progressive, I would say the forces of progressivity actually benefit people who don't think they benefit them. So uh, we're seeing that with marriage equality where you had people who were absolutely opposed to same-sex marriage for years decades, for as long as it's been a topic, who now embrace it. You have people who are classic conservatives who want small government and they want government to not be involved in it. And I don't mean to bring up a political issue sure. per se, but I mean in terms of that, I am seeing people who I never in my lifetime thought would embrace same-sex marriage who are actually because they like the institution of marriage and they think it is good for society and for children have embraced it and are now working with people who are advocates of promoting the legalization across America of same-sex marriage. I have known That's astonishing, when, right? When I worked – I actually don't think it's astonishing. When I well, worked good, for the right, Republicans okay. in D.C., which was, you know, in the George Bush era, um, I knew tons, tons, tons of Republicans that were pro-gay marriage, that were, you know, pro-choice, pro, pro you know, choice, frankly. So I don't think that's surprising at all. And, you know, I think they're – I don't know. I don't, I don't want to get into politics. I, I don't no, like I bring demonizing – Sure, I – I, I don't like demonizing one side or another. I, no, I try I, to be I, so careful. I don't careful. want either. Yeah. I just want to, I want to talk. I just, the reason yeah, I bring it up yeah. is I want to say that the I think – well, I'm going to finish the Anita point and then I'll, I'll bring it back. And then, we're gonna, sure. then we'll go on with this, which is that my point about Anita's videos in, mm -hmm. in particular is that people who uh, – people who take it at face value will hear one thing. People who are used to decoding things hear it a different way. And yeah, I think absolutely. that's the key thing. Yeah. And, and there are people who are – arch feminists who will decode her message and disagree with her fundamentally on a bunch of things because they don't believe that what she says goes far enough or is as critical as they would be. And you have people on the on a side where they believe there's an agenda in place and that she's part of it, whether she's witting or unwitting as part of it. And they hear all sorts of things that are they see as subtext but are not present. There's one yeah. thing about having subtext where you say something rich and it's rife with illusion and there's another about reading things into something that's not there. Yeah. I would argue that there are – so, so let me bring that back to the marriage thing where I don't want to get into the political nature of it. But the fact is there is a change happening in which things are broadening. There's more there, – there is more acceptance and inclusiveness. One set of people feels that they are being excluded, that inclusiveness excludes them. Right. Um, but I think certain kinds of progress, progressive change actually enhance – institutions that are specifically thought of as conservative. I just want to say that in the video game realm, and I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not. Here, let's have a point of disagreement. If we sure. Is, um, is that if Anita's critiques were taken seriously and changed every – like her specifically, even her specific critique about representation mm -hmm. were taken seriously by every AAA gaming company in the world and they all adopted it, the worst consequence I would believe is that the narratives would be richer – and there would be a few more options in games. The worst thing that would happen would be that 
the games would not be necessarily any less violent. I know, God, I mean, you like violent games. I know lots of women yeah. who love these violent games. It's nothing to do with violence. This isn't a Jack Thompson thing. This isn't a... Yeah, um, you I know, love a... grabbing somebody in Gears of War at the Lancer <laughs> chainsaw and just cha- <laughs> chainsawing him in half of my right. Lancer. That's awesome. Part of this is about, is about yeah. the simple question of three-dimensional characters that enhance the narrative. And the people who don't care about it don't see it already. The people who do will have it. So... I, you know, I actually don't agree with that. Good, let okay, so talk, let's, sure. let's have a disagreement. Tell me. Sure. I'm, you know, I didn't understand this until recently when I gave a talk at MIT. And so I give this talk. It's a talk I've given seven several times now. It's called Nine Ways to Stop Hurting and Start Helping Women in Tech, which is kind of like you've seen the video. It's a very blunt like, look, let's let's just get down to the brass tacks here. Let's be honest about what women are experiencing, how men piss us off without understanding it and are abrasive to us without understanding it, and what, you know, we need them to understand. So, you know, we can all work together and be more awesome. And I think it's a very straightforward talk, but this is this is where this is what was very interesting to me. So there was like a group of six guys that were going out after this and um you know they're the the part of this group and they go get a beer together and it was very mixed and i I was reported to about this by someone that was in this group of six men (laughs) and what it came down to is you know one of the guys there just thought i was like loud feminist whatever but one of them was a very introverted introverted man and he had felt for so long like the programming kind of atmosphere was the one place where he really felt comfortable, you know, and, you know, he was a very nerdy guy, I was told. And, you know, it was like his place where he felt comfortable for the first time in his life. And he was really terrified that if they did some of the things I was asking for that would take away something that was very comfortable for him. Then, mm-hmm. you know, we can we can certainly deconstruct this and say, look, he's got male privilege and he does. But I think that emotional thing about it, I I, I think what is true that is if we followed through on everything Anita Sarkeesian said, I think there are some men out there and, and some women that feel this identity in gamer culture as it is. And I think as it becomes something that is more open to women, I I do have compassion for them as they're going to kind of lose that that place that feels very safe and natural for them. Does, does that make sense? No, that's yeah. I think that's very fair and I think it's a good critique of my of my position. Yeah. I will point out um I don't know how we'll do show notes for this, but if you search for Film Crit Hulk and Gamergate, you will find a wonderful essay in all capitals. You should also look for the way in which you can de-hulk it and make it upper and lowercase. You can search for that too. You can look at my timeline to find it uh, on Twitter <laughs> to do this. But Film Crit Hulk, which is kind of a yeah. conceit, um, the, the person behind it wrote this incredibly long, incredibly empathetic discussion of Gamergate. And we're about to get, we're going to get to these questions. We've actually talked about a lot of what was going to happen in the interview. And we'll talk about this just in a second, I swear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Film Crit Hulk expressed an enormous amount of empathy for people who have a genuine, genuine emotional position who are not in it for the lulls. They're not a troll. They're not a griefer. Yeah. They're not a sadist. There's not, I mean, you can go into 4chan and 8chan. Oh my God, I've read stuff where like these people 
barely seem human to me the way they're interacting, whether it's their true selves or not. But then I have interactions on Twitter with people who are firmly believe that Gamergate is, a, is a, I guess, a real thing as, a, as an entity, that mm-hmm. it is not intended to harm, that there was no harm caused by it, or even if they admit there are abusers, they have a genuine emotional position where they feel that a part of their identity is being taken away from them. And, yeah. and they have no reassurance. They feel that there is a, a plot and a conspiracy of some degree of size, some don't think it's big, some think it's huge, um, that is going to make their life worse. It's going to make their enjoyment worse and maybe their whole existence worse in society. And I, I think Film Crit, Hulk, Crit, Film Crit Hulk, of all people to cite, but it's <laughs> true, expresses an incredible empathy for those, position, even, those people, even as he explains why he thinks their position is, uh, it's both their feelings are valid, but what they believe is going on isn't. So I recommend people read it critically, because it's film crit. Um, and now, so let's get to the question. Now, like I said, well, we talked through a lot it. of the issues. In the question. So okay. this is an interview. So there's two things. First, I want to address a couple um, uh, a couple things. So hard-hitting questions from Glenn Fleischman. All right, one, um, Adam Baldwin, who started the Gamergate tag, yeah. better known as Jane on Firefly, uh, He um, he's very bellicose. And he was saying Obama likes <laughs> Ebola and all this crap, right? I mean, he's, he's a loudmouth, and there's loudmouths out there. Uh-huh. But here's the thing. You, you were just like, all right, let's, let's get together. We'll meet for coffee. I'm going to be at New York City Comic Con. This is a few weeks ago. It's right after you fled your house in, yeah. because you can't determine from tweets whether people sure. are going to actually execute or not. You, did a, uh, you made your decision with that. And sure. um, uh, Baldwin said you lied. He said uh, that uh, you said he didn't want to meet. What's the story there? Sure. Um, you know... I believe that sometimes if you want to solve a problem, you have to talk to people you disagree with. Um, And, you know, I I also want to say I've been a a registered Republican. I've been a registered Democrat. And, you know, even when I don't agree with someone, I I would like to believe I could sit down and at least find common ground with them. And, you know, so Kotaku ran this piece on what happened to me. And... I'm probably going to get the exact quote right, but like uh, uh, Stephen Totillo was talking about him in the piece that his biggest fear was this was the new normal for the yeah. industry. Yeah. And I, I'm still not sleeping very much, but I, I literally did lay awake all night thinking about that. And I've been playing games since 1985. I love video games. And the idea of this kind of polarization that came that, you know, has kind of destroyed American politics uh, could come to video games is truly terrifying for me. So, um, you know, I, I really, he, he tweeted at me that night and I tweeted back and, you know, I really wanted to have this moment with with Gamergators where just two people sat down and kind of signaled to people on the outside that we could have a civil disagreement. Does that make sense to you? I just Absolutely, I just yeah. I just You wanted to diffuse it. I saw you I do just that all that weekend to like, this nonsense. It, it is yeah. so horrible. It is awful for everyone in the in the industry. So I reached out to him. Um, what do you have an exact question? Like it, it didn't happen. Like I read him. Like if I'm being open and honest here, I read him as drinking a bit as he was tweeting. To be honest, and it just seemed kind of it seemed very reminiscent with conversations I've had with, frankly, Republican friends, and they just like 
well, what do you think of this? And like, it just keeps coming back to the same point. And it, it's not a dialogue. It, it's like you're getting hammered to come like somebody's yelling at you. Right. And, it's a great, it's a strategy to beat people down into and, eventually agreeing with you because you don't have as much energy as they do right. to defend yourself. So it's not a factual situation. Right. It's a being yelled at situation. And, you know, it's like I reached out to him and, and, I, I felt genuinely like he was turning me down for that. Um, I also thought that he was at New York Comic-Con um, at that time. I could have sworn I saw a pic of him in New York Comic-Con. My life is just kind of, at this point, it was kind of all up in the air. I don't know where I saw that. I could have sworn he was at New York Comic-Con. Yeah, I was going to speak at New York Comic-Con. So I could tell you genuinely, and you know, the listeners out there can believe me or not believe me, but I could say I, I genuinely felt like I tried to reach out to him, and that was rejected. Does does that right. answer your question? Yeah I, yeah, I think so. And I think, I mean, I think this is part of as we like, we're there's a narrative that's been built around you, which I saw yeah. built around me yeah. yesterday. I watched people try to put pieces in place that were based on tenuous information or construct a story <sighs> that's sorry. not based in reality. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's in, I was just saying, it's, it's interesting. I have privilege. I didn't get you know. I think you you know we won't even to go into it. it's like it was it was very interesting and time consuming and I I actually wound up talking to a lot of people and got a lot of insight from mm-hmm. a, a point of view I didn't have before and people listened to me and I listened to them and it was a tiny fraction it was good but so I saw that this narrative that's been built around you is that you were dishonest and that's a narrative that I think is being tried to be told because yeah. if people accept that you're honest then they have to accept that terrible things are happening to you if they accept that terrible things are happening to you then they may have to accept that they have some role in it by enabling it if they accept that the cognitive dissonance makes the whole thing fall down and they have to reevaluate it you see this um, there's like a harasser anti-harassment squad right going on in gaming right, right now yeah. which is an attempt by people to resolve cognitive dissonance about being part of a movement that they may worry they certainly worry is a negative one. And, no, and no, that's no. Part of I it. disagree with that. I disagree with that. I think the people in the anti-harassment squad, um, I think that they're people that have low consciousness on how <laughs> them interacting with me is unpleasant. I think they don't understand that. But I, I genuinely do believe that many of those people um, believe in the Gamergate movement and genuinely want to shut that down. I do think there's a political byproduct that they're trying to do. I, I agree. But I, I think they're genuine well, the people. Of hara- well, the definition right. of harassment is, is, is tricky, but I guess what I want to say is sure. that the uh, so the narrative that's been spun around you comes, I think, in part of cognitive dissonance. They have to reject what you say. Right. The easiest way to reject what they say is to construct you as a liar. So, do, do you know what Adam, it feels like, Glenn? It feels oh like I just went and saw Gone Girl again tonight for the second time, and I saw this before all this nonsense happened to me, and I saw it today. Oh my god! Yeah. And oh my god, I so identify with that Ben Affleck character, and it feels like. There's a scene in the movie where he's standing in front of a, a poster of his missing wife, and he's he's miserable. He looks miserable. No, spo- no spoil. The worst thing you can this, do is spoilers. This is from no the spoilers. trailer. This is from the trailer. <laughs> and then he he smiles for half a second as they're taking his picture, and then the narrative builds up that oh he's he's happy, he's smarmy, he's doing terrible. And over and over, you see people like looking for a way to destroy him. You know that's what it feels like to me. Um, with right, so, Adam Baldwin, I did genuinely want to reach out to him, and I genuinely felt that he turned me down. I right. looked back at those tweets at a later time, um, and I, I did. I really looked at them closely. It seemed a little ambiguous to me, but again, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I actually corrected that on my blog. 
Like I gave him the benefit of the doubt. That he's being he's being honest in the way he represents himself. Okay. So, well, let's, so yeah. then the the interview comes up, and so this is again just over the yeah. same. I think this is the Monday after the Friday in which you had to leave your house, mm-hmm. and uh, and Milo uh, Nero uh, Breitbart um, was going to have you on his podcast, and you're yep. actually you know you and I, and I another disclosure. You and I talked about it. You called me. You're like, should I do this thing? And yeah. I was. As You're you recall, for it, compl- yeah. I was totally in favor because I yeah. know how you handle yourself. And I thought, you know, he – I have a lot of different feelings about the guy. I think he's a demagogue and I think he uh, links to and supports people who harass other people regardless of what he says. And I think that's that's part of what came out as you – and you didn't know as much about him at, the, at that point. I, I didn't. I didn't. I'd seen I, some previous experience yeah, with yeah. him and, and Breitbart. And so I feel like he's somebody who enables behavior even if he doesn't commit it himself. But I, said, I, I, I'm try, I've tried very hard in my public persona to not talk smack about him. I, I mm-hmm. don't want to do that now. Um, Good. Well, I could, I've, I could, I've talked smack about sure. him. But, but I, I also the same – Sure. Um, I well, could say with him, I I really knew he was de facto leader of Gamergate, which he is, and uh, I wanted to reach out to him. Um, I have to say, as soon as I agreed to that, I had a lot of people that had been hurt by him talk to me. Something I didn't know that he did was to write a story and to link nude pictures of my friend Zoe Quinn Along with that, which is abhorrent. Um, even so, I, I I made a commitment and I had intended to go through with that, even though all my friends were, were telling me not to do it. You know, I talked to you. We had a conversation right. as I was driving back from, um, I, I can't even remember where it was at that You were in point. New York. Yeah. I think you were driving yeah, back well, from New York. Yeah, I was driving York. back so from were, New York. Couldn't yeah. go back to your house. Yeah, you were and back I was like, Comic-Con. is this something I should do? And you, you were talking about how, <laughs> you were talking about how you thought I could like handle myself under fire. I'm not scared of Milo. I'm not scared of Nero. And, you know, I'm happy to... Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I felt like I could be that Democrat that goes on Fox News and make my case. Yeah, and Bill so, Riley sometimes, if yeah. you're good on Bill O'Reilly, boy, can you, or even on Colbert, sure. you can say a lot of interesting things. You can right. get your point of view out and present it and show the kind of person you are. And will it backfire? Maybe, but I know I know you can take care of yourself. And I was like, and you wanted to be that person, and I, I wanted you. I was urging you to be that person. Sure. As well, but look, what, I've got news for you. Like yeah. one of the, I've been again, I've been a registered Republican, and I've been a registered Democrat. One of the things that drives me crazy about the Democrats is we have, um, I, mm, I think actually, I think both sides do this, but I think Republicans kind of, at least their way of reaching out is yelling a little bit more at the other side. But I think like there's a sense if you just talk to people that agree with you, that's how you win things. And I don't believe that that's true. And I think that, like, going on media that might be hostile to you, I think if you're representing yourself fairly and honestly, and I think if you have a journalist that, you know, wants to, is interested in the truth rather than just beating you up endlessly, I, I, I can imagine that being a, a thing that helps you win people to your cause. Yeah, and I thought you'd have maybe a really contentious but interesting conversation because yeah. I think that you and he would be able to engage in a manner 
that would be constructive, even if he felt that he had, you know, quote unquote, won. Sure. Um, because that's kind of his narrative. Breitbart does that. Is there a triumphalist site? They're celebrating a certain kind of thing and they're criticizing a certain kind of thing. And so their narrative is they have to win. They have to come out on top or show yeah. the other side is lying or whatever. So that's a but point But Glenn, of you've view. known me for a while. Am I afraid of conflict? No, exactly. No. So I was like, yeah. so here, I, this is one thing I want to clear up. So the reason you didn't go on the show, and uh, and I know this is like an insider because you've told me this, you were tweeting it at the time. Um, you were, you're not at your house. You now you're podcasting gear. And to my recollection, they gave you this sort of, okay, we're going to do it now. You said, I can't. And, and what was, is that the narrative is that there was sort of this so timing me, thing. And then he very, said you were yeah. turning him down. Right. Let me be very clear about this because I, I do want to, it's clear I hurt his feelings in some of our private correspondence, which is private. I don't want to, I don't want to betray that. You can believe me or not believe me. I'm telling you the truth. There is no perfect way to have all this crap happen to you and to to just pull it off perfectly. Um, what happened to me is every electronic device I have has been exploding for weeks now. I have been missing email. I can't even see all the tweets that come to me because, like, Twitter won't cache them. Um, you know, I'm getting oh, yeah, Facebook I got to experience messages. that yesterday for yeah. the first time. It was fascinating. Yeah. You have to move yeah, to the celebrity. Yeah, yeah. There are celebrity versions of Twitter that you have to move to when you oh, start okay. getting a certain amount of uh, – They're secret, but they're, they have better tools. Right, right. But, uh, you know, so, so, again, with respect to Milo – um, MSNBC and CNN called and wanted to do an interview with me. If you saw me on those those, those um, shows, you could see like my hair wasn't combed. I was a mess. I was tired. I had not slept. Um, frankly, those shows took priority. And as I recall, I, had, I had tweeted at him and said something like, I was like, I, I tried to get to this today. Let's do this. I'm committed. When can we record this? And he said, we can do this at any point tonight. Uh, right now is 1137 at night, my time. So yeah. I was like, hey, I've he's got at, all yeah. day to do this. It doesn't yeah. matter. I, I generally record podcasts at night. I probably should have checked. I probably should have talked to him more. Um, because he's attacked me a lot in media, I, I'm going to kind of break one of my rules and say this. Um I don't want to be mean to the guy, but it was it was childish. Some of the correspondence back with us, it was like, it was like, eh, you know, like you've got to come on my show. You're hurting my feet. It was very aggressive, mm-hmm. and and again, I would ask people to understand. Like I am, I'm, I'm bombarded with media. I am trying to get this done as best as I can. I'm living out of a suitcase. I'm terrified that my dogs are going to be murdered. I'm waking up. I'm waking up every moment of the night at noises. This has really been difficult for me. Um, But what happened was it was really, again, like think about my intentions. I wanted to reach out to the other side. What I felt like I was dealing with, with all respect, was a kind of prima donna. And it just... You know, it was it was bad, but I was like, look, I'm going to face some music. Again, I'm not scared of conflict. 
So I had my laptop, I had my podcasting gear, and I was driving to the place we stayed at that night, which was actually a really lovely hotel. Um, <laughs> and I was going to set up Wi-Fi and get my Reflexium filter all set up and, and do this because I wanted to do it professionally. But again, like think about what's going on with me. I've got my phone. I'm, do you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm from studio. I'd never done a television show review before. Uh, and I'm just trying to do 10 things at once. Today, I'm trying to do 10 things at once. And from my perspective, what happened was I got a very angry, childish thing. And I think the last thing he tweeted to me was, fine, I get the message. And then it's like, I, I find out that Nero is like attacking me on Twitter. And you know, that's the point where I kind of have to just block you and move on. You know, it's like, there's a lot of people out there that are going to attack me no matter what. And, you know, if we can have a reasonable conversation, that's great. Um, you know, I had an uh, interview with David Pakman this weekend. It didn't go great. Uh, but, you know, it's not personal. And I didn't block him. But Nero started attacking me personally. So I blocked him. And I've just kind of made a professional decision to not go on his show or talk to him. Because it's it's clear we're we're not a good fit. Does that make sense? Yeah, and he's yeah. got I mean he has an agenda. He needs to have a bunch of controversies to talk about. He's a he I, I don't want to get into attacking All right, well, him. Yeah, I mean I can yeah, I can assert yeah. it. This is one I'll assert okay, it on mine okay. is that is that I mean he you know his job is to keep people coming to and reading his site sure. and reading his feed and uh like that. So so here's the thing. So he sent you a bunch of questions that were outlines of what he was going to talk about. Right, so right. and he said and he said, you know, uh these are more hostile versions even of what he thought he might ask. But he's giving you kind of the edge that he was taking, and and you actually uh, again full disclosure, you forwarded these to me yeah. because you you wanted my feedback on well, them. And we I were thought, gonna we were mm-hmm. gonna decide which questions were reasonable and which ones yeah. weren't. And yeah, and I, I wrote was, back. I wrote back yeah. some real detail about yeah. some of them. You did it? Did and, uh, it I know some of thousands of words. Yeah. Is my problem is uh, yeah. called glossal logaria or something. So the so in the end, so let's let's deal with an issue because it came up about copyright and ownership, and a few people when you said. So there's two things going on. One is you said we're going to go over these questions. And people said you can't do that. Milo owns the questions. Uh, put his hard work into it. He owns the stuff. And then separately, uh, at some point, I don't know if it was Milo or his producer or whoever has posted all the questions. I don't know if he was reading them or there's like a YouTube video in which you can see all the questions. So you can see actually everything he was going to ask. So they've made it public. Just because it's public doesn't mean that there's no copyright on it. But we're engaged in active criticism and discussion. We're uh, under fair use principles. I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal device. advice to you or to me. Uh, but under fair use principles uh, in American copyright law, you can critique things and yeah, discuss them. Yeah, so we're going to be you- going through these questions, some of the more ones I found leading and kind of talking about that. Yeah, and, and we've talked yeah. about a lot of the details already, but I just want to make clear that it's also there's a – this the most obscure thing is there's, there's no such thing as a sweat of one's brow test in American copyright law. When you create something and, and he's in London, so that makes it even more complicated. But the bottom line is just because you write something doesn't mean you have absolute protection in ownership. Now, a lot of the time you do. In this case, because we're critiquing it and discussing it and because we're not – this is – there's no um, – you know, revenue attached to this podcast, among other th- this episode, among other things, and a number of other details. Uh, there, there's really no case to be made. So people have uh, absolutist ideas about things, and this is part of the problem right now. Is people assert stuff without actually knowing how it works. And you can read the copyright site. You can go to Cornell's copyright site and read about fair use law, which is something I very have strong opinions about because. Uh, 
uh, while copyright should be protected, there's also um, a lot of ways in which this kind of thing couldn't happen if there sure. was an absolute Islam. So, sure. So what um, I would like us to do is to kind of go through each question, you know, if it's We're going to zoom through yeah, some of these because we've already it. talked let's about yeah. a bunch of these. Can we do some overview? So uh, uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. So we uh, started with uh, – you were um, – Let's see. I mean, I don't know if I want to read all these because it's actually. I, I think we should. I think text. we should. All right, Please, let's, let's do it. Let's try. It. All right. So, this is in Milo's words. So, you were recently doxxed and threatened online. I think we can all agree that the act was reprehensible, and whoever is responsible for it needs to be charged and punished. Can you tell us briefly what happened? And we went through that. Yeah, I think we did that. Uh, so that's you, a fair yeah. question in your. Yeah, absolutely. Your yeah. Have you okay. experienced any other hostile online activity? I noticed a tweet in which you suggested some financial data might be at risk. That is yeah. also. Totally reasonable question. What's happening with the police and FBI? Are they trying to track down the culprit? You'll be pressing charges. We talked through all that, and that's yep. also completely reasonable. Well, we question. haven't talked about financial stuff, but we'll keep going. Keep going. Oh, well, the financial, yeah, yeah well, that's, uh, yeah, that's sort of a doxing question as opposed to, I don't know, I mean, that's yeah. a fair question for him to ask, though, right? Well, I would, I would like to get this out there. Um, yeah. So the way that my company was attacked is our central Apple developer account. Uh, you know, the one which we, we, we upload Revolution 60 to Apple was the subject of a hacker attack. Um, and what happened is Apple's safeguards kicked in. I was actually driving to Comic-Con and my husband asked to listen to the new U2 album, which everyone seems to hate. <laughs> and I oh grab his God. phone. And I Corruption. grab his phone and I'm trying to get the new U2 album for it. It won't play because like our account has been locked out. Oh. So um, obviously I freak out. I talk to Apple. They got, you know, like the system operated as intended like it locked and then i called them and i gave apple some very direct questions and they were fantastic mm-hmm. about working with me and getting that account secure but you know the the consequences of having this particular account hacked are very high they could you know remove my app from the store they could change my bank account information they could change my tax information you know like this is this is my company's revenue and, right, they could delete you know, the account. I mean, there's all kinds of things you account. can do if right. you have access, if you got the password. And, right. and folks listening, remember to turn on two-factor authentication, yes. also known yes. as two-step verification, mm-hmm. at Apple and every other Google, Dropbox, everywhere you work. Put sure. On so I just – I want to be clear. Like I've tried to – I just want to represent that honestly and factually here. Yeah. So, okay. All right. Um, now, so this is a question. How has this affected you and your family? Have you felt able to return home yet? And uh, – that's a tricky one. Yeah, I I, I can't comment lot, on. I don't want to comment on where I am specifically. That's um, you know I can say you know I've been home. Um, I I can tell you I'm taking self defense classes. Um, right now my forearm is black and blue and my knee <laughs> is blue from learning how to you know, break a knife. I like dodge and disarm someone trying to stab me. Um, the self-defense instructor on the first day had me push in his eyeballs with my fingers oh my God. as hard as I could. Oh. And the idea was if you're fighting for your life, yeah. you have to you get past that fear factor. Yeah, yeah, we're trying to not hurt people. Which, you know, again, I'm a software engineer. So it's <laughs> it's it, it's been very hard. It's hard to go – on a date with your husband and worry if your dogs are going to be murdered. It's it's tough to walk out the door and for there to be a bush there and to wonder if there's someone behind that bush. Um, yeah, I, want, I want to address yeah. one thing briefly yeah, there, please, too, please, is that please. I think one of the critiques, I guess, uh, against you and a, and a number of other people 
Now, what's interesting is I feel like this has been – let's see. There's like a little bit of a machismo thing here is there a machismo thing, which is that um, uh, there's been a critique that this is a Twitter threat as a burner account. It's not a real person. They got a hold of your information and they posted it. You know, Other people are saying – there's a bunch of people saying, I get death threats all the time. These are guys typically. I don't think any woman said this, but I may be wrong. Uh, I get death threats all the time. It's happened all the time. I don't take them seriously. Uh, among other aspects of that, I am not sure how many of those people who said they got death threats were in the middle of a situation in which they were the target of other kinds of attacks. That mm -hmm. is, if you get one out of the blue, it's a different thing. Yeah. I don't know how many of those people reported them to the police or took them seriously. And I don't know from any of the stuff that I read how many people were getting doxxed or having like personal information, including their address and phone number, posted. Like, for instance, Fel uh, uh, Felicia Day posts a very mild post about how Gamergate is affecting her, and she's immediately doxxed. Three minutes later, she's an actress. There have been actresses that have been killed by people. In fact... I have a family or well, indirect connection through a friend. Um, uh, I'm forgetting her last name, Rebecca. She was in um, uh, Pam uh -huh. Dauber and she were in a uh, sitcom. She was killed because a stalker was able to obtain her address, went to her house and killed her. She was from Eugene, Oregon. She was, her family very close to a friend of mine, his family. This is one degree away. Okay. And this happens, right? I didn't, I didn't know her. I didn't know her. I didn't know the family. This, is, this happens. We know that. People who are put in any position of celebrity, and that can be you or Zoe or Anita or Milo, that um, when people have obsessive ideas and they know how to find somebody. Now, there's, the statement is people who have plans don't post them, which I also don't think it proves true. Maybe it's true a lot of the time. I don't know. But this was you felt this was a credible threat in the regards that you didn't know how credible it could be, right? Well, let me say this. Let me say yeah. this. So I, I would like to walk the audience through what the last few days leading up to this have been. So I post a Twitter joke that was sent to me from one of my fans of this show you're listening to right now. Oh, Boy, yes. have I had interesting conversations with that person. And, you know, so... A-Chan turns around and spends the entire day making thousands and thousands and thousands of memes attacking me. And the whole time they're like, ha ha, look at Brianna. Oh, she's scared. Oh, she's so scared. It's so ridiculous. Why are you so scared? You're scared about nothing. And like, I get scared and I leave Twitter and I walk away. And then I come back to Twitter and I say very, you know, frankly, I'm like, F you, I'm not going anywhere. And then, you know, it escalates. So, you know, and then it was like, oh, we're going to destroy your life. Start researching her. Start researching her husband. Start finding any dirt you can. Like, I'm watching the chat room do this. And then they dox me. So I've been the target of harassment by what felt to me like a mob to the point that I was scared. And the whole time they're like, oh, don't worry about it. And then I get death threats. And it's like, like really psychotic, horrible, actionable, specific death threats. Like, and I've had, like, Glenn, I've shown you some of the, the death threats I've gotten before. Like, they're, yes, they're yeah. crazy. This yeah. one was exponentially crazier and specific. And in the course of being attacked by this mob, I did feel like my life is in danger. Hey, you know what? This is my life. And that is my decision to make. And I would, I would thank you to just... Let me make that call myself. Like, I would also say you called right. the police and the police freaked out. This uh, is the thing. Now, I want to be really accurate about something yeah, here, or, which yeah. is something people have gotten wrong. Um, the police did not advise me to leave my house. Right. That's right. Oh, yeah, I'm Some sorry. media has yes. gotten wrong. 
um, what happened. I, and I want to say, yeah. I never heard you say that. I heard you I say, didn't say you it. called yeah. the police. Right. Yeah. And I want to be clear. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I called the police. I said, I don't feel safe staying here tonight. And I, I can't remember what the policeman said to me exactly, but it was like, that makes sense to me. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, police are kind of noncommittal, but you could tell it's like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, so, but they, they never advised me to leave my house. Let's say it's an utterly rational thing. Like, it's not just me deciding that. It was my husband deciding that along with me. So, you know, I would just thank you for respecting me enough to, like, let me make up my own mind about that, you know? Um, right, I, and I think I that's even, this is, yeah. well, part of this shaming vibe that, well, and this is something I will specifically call out Adam Baldwin for because he retweeted it, and he has a huge... Twitter following and it got distributed as there is a document that had troll graphics on it from I think 4chan uh, that was supposedly ga- and it was signed Gamergate and it was supposedly advice for people who had been threatened and what they're supposed to do. The advice is terrible. Um, it's prima facie bad but it was this list of things and he retweeted it and and for days until I think it just became discredited by people who are actually maybe in the movement, maybe have some law enforcement background and just said, oh, guys, come on, because it was so ridiculous. It had all kinds of ter- – I mean I'm not even going to go through it all because I'll sure. never get through the questions. But what, it had terrible I, advice yeah. about how to respond to threats and it was wrong and it was intended to be yet another example of shaming. It was shut up. Don't say anything. It, it, the, the, the You're attracting attention that. if yeah. you say anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So I have a lot to say about that. You know, something <laughs> yeah. and I'm really not trying to be political here. So please forgive me. I'm not if you want to vote for any party you want, I fully support that. But something I personally have noticed is that people that tend to vote for the Republican Party, as Adam Baldwin does, um, tend to equate what they believe with law enforcement. Um so to me for a celebrity and an actor to to equate what they believe with law enforcement sounds it's it's kind of right. with, arrogant with, without the yeah. evidence, he said are you doing as law enforcement advises according to this law graphic, enforcement which didn't talk advised. to me about any of this and, and to be and honest up, if the yeah. arlington police called me tomorrow and said hey like my detective on the case said hey brianna you know what um it's my job to keep you safe here I would like for you to stop doing this. I would take right. a beat and I would think about it and I would probably do what law enforcement said. Like I'm a citizen. I want to work with the police. They are paid to keep me safe. And I mean, frankly, I respect them. They've been very polite and professional That's to awesome. me. Um, they've not asked me to do that. Um, I do realize it probably does raise my family's level of risk in talking about this. But I feel like it's really, really important. Well, if you've gone silent, this is the thing is like silence right now. I understand there's the concern. The concern that's raised, which I think is a reasonable one to discuss, is that um, when you highlight a threat that encourages other people to commit a threat, my take is I have this take and I think it's reasonable, Mm -hmm. which is just as it would destroy you professionally if you faked some aspect of this and that came out. It would destroy you professionally. You'd have to change your name and move to another country. Yeah, You'd have to leave yeah. the gaming field yeah. forever. You will not be forgiven. We're the Republicans are actually incredibly good about forgiving other Republicans and, and people on the conservative side. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you stray from the flock. You pray for forgiveness. You get it. You go back. Democrats not so good at that. You're, right. <laughs> liberals have a problem with aspects of forgiveness. And I will just sure, say that. Sure. That's, that's my political statement. However, so just by the same token, somebody created an account 
They posted your personal information. They, um, uh, uh, I'm going to reveal something which I was tweeting about. Somebody uh, several days ago tried to dox you to me via email. They created a Hushmail account. Oh. They said um, they said they created a burner account for the purpose. They sent me information. It was clearly full of lies and misleading information. And my response back was a two-word unprintable epithet. Since this program <laughs> is not rated X, I will not say it. Uh, and they were like, wait, why don't you want this information? They were trying to turn me against you. They were like, yeah, oh, there's I'm all sorry. these things you don't know about her and this and her husband and blah. And I was like, listen, dude, like I can see what you're doing and you're doing it really badly. Tell your I, – I, I said, tell your masters and your betters. It didn't work because <laughs> I wanted to make him angry. And he wrote yeah. back some angry stuff. He made, you know, he was originally, I'm not biased. I'm this and that. I'm concerned. You should get her to reveal, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, and my final response was, you know, I know people at Twitter. Like this isn't – you know, Brianna, is, you've been direct, and I don't want to reveal things, but like Twitter has been in touch with people. You saw that Anita Sarkeesian yeah. has been verified. Twitter is yeah. not unaware of this. Twitter gathers, for better or for worse, a ton of information about us. Some of it's only recorded for a little bit of time, but IP addresses are recorded. So there's, these are not computer geniuses on the other end. Somebody created an account doxed you, threatened you. They put yeah. all the registration email in with Twitter. Did they cover all their tracks? I don't know. How is exposing that going to encourage other people to put themselves at risk where if discovered, like this person who I hope is found, could wind up in jail for 10 to 30 years for that yeah. series of tweets. Why I would mean, anyone yeah. risk that? Why would anyone no, risk I, that yeah. unless they had, unless they were in, uh, completely beyond uh, approach? So the idea that you saying and explaining how you've been threatened and posting the tweet, you know, making sure people saw it, that that would encourage other people to make death threats seems ludicrous to me because of the bar right. of what the consequences. If people don't accept any consequences for their actions, if their brains aren't built that way, nothing's going to deter them anyway. Sure. I mean, I want to be... I, I don't know. Like, this is this is truly how I see this. Because I, 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 I have thought about every single death threat and rape threat that I, I've shared. And I, I sit there and I do think before I, I post that. The reason I do it is is very straightforward. Right now, women are getting bullied out of the game development field. Um, you know, they've done it to several friends of mine. Uh, I've talked many times to the press at this point about how much it hurt me personally to see my friend Samantha Allen get harassed to the point that she she left the field. Um, I think she's just, I, I flat out, no offense to you, Glenn, I think she's one of the best writers working today. She's and great. I, 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 I love her, and I think, like, we really lost that voice. And it, if I could tell you what it was like, like, when all that was happening to Samantha in July, I couldn't sleep. I was so upset. So... You haven't slept much the last few months. I haven't haven't slept much lately. I've not. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, All right, listen. Well, hold on. on. I want to finish answering this. Um, I'm going to slack my hand again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) I I got some furniture here I could break. I I understand that it, it, it probably does increase the risk to my family. And I take that seriously. I've talked to my fa- my husband about that. But I feel like what we're doing is important. And I'm willing to take on that risk, just like when I get on my motorcycle. You know, I put on armor to, like, lessen my risk. But it's a risk I'm willing to take because I think this is really important. Does, do you know where I'm coming from? I, I do. 
Okay. I do. Um, all right. So because um, we're not going to make the podcast five hours, I'm going to I'm going to read through a bunch of the next questions. They're all on the same line. I think this will get us right into the heart of the GamerGate thing. Although we've talked about a bunch of it, but I want to read the questions that Milo wanted to ask, and because of I think the structure they took. So let me read the several of these things here. So it was, wasn't it a bit unfair? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me start with this one. And again, people, you know, in the, in the interest of disclosure, you can find these online because Milo posted them or his producer. Uh, so, uh, oh, I'm sorry. So he asked you, he was going to ask you, uh, you know, did you send any of that stuff to yourself? Let's put the conspiracy theories to bed. And I appreciate that he wanted to you know, be on your side. He wasn't attempting to promote a narrative. We talked about that. So in your tweets following the threat, you assumed a Gamergate supporter must have been responsible. Can you explain what led you to that conclusion? Then wasn't it a bit unfair to tarnish an entire movement based on the actions of what must surely be one or two fringe elements? Wasn't that a bit hasty on July 22nd, for example? You said you had a stalker with access to your personal information. Then numerous threats have been made against public figures, male and female, before the existence of Gamergate. So it stands to reason they will continue after it's gone. What then is the point of blaming Gamergate supporters, most of whom I've found to be polite, reasonable people, he asks. What will be accomplished? This behavior will likely continue anyway. So why are so many people trying to silence a movement that is sincerely campaigning for what it sees as desperately needed reform in press ethics, and then you clarified in social media that it, quote, seemed a logical induction, unquote, to assume you were doxxed and threatened by Gamergate. But critics will say you did this on Twitter and only after the press ball was rolling and the narrative have become established. Do you apologize for jumping to conclusions? Oh. And, I mean, this goes on and on. This is, these are all in the same thing. So, so, let's keep, so we'll, I really... Wait, wait, one more. Yeah, wait, go ahead. One more, I'm though. Sorry. Is, yeah. On the show last week, Damien Schubert suggested there are hackers... Oh, I'm sorry. Would you, as a sign of good faith, delete the tweet in which you blame Gamergate has been retweeted over 7,000 times, been responsible for a lot of abuse to Gamergate supporters and picked up widely by the media, despite the fact there's no evidence for the claim, and most people seem to think it was a malicious third party. And finally, on the show last week... Damien Schubert suggested there are hackers and trolls out there targeting both sides of this debate. The sort of people who want to see the world burn. Do you think you might have been a victim of such an attack? So I'm sorry. That's like seven questions, but they're all kind of in the same area. So, I really, so what... It's really important to me to answer these. So, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's try to keep the commentary down and just, just get to that because I really want I, I want this to put all of this to bed. You did just, you know, like, let's let's do that. So, I mean, let's go through and answer these. Well, I think they're all in the same, but I don't know. I don't. I don't think. Uh, uh, here's my reaction to that. I don't think that. I think there's two things. One is, let's talk about it structurally. What okay. the point of view is trying to put across, and the second is these are all actually the same question, more or less. Okay. Um, so rather than answer seven similar questions, I think I think we should talk about it at once. The, the structurally. Um, uh, I mean, you know, we know I've talked a lot on, and I've tweeted a lot about Gamergate on Twitter. And I, I wonder if it's constructive even right now to, to, because so much more has passed since the time at which you would have done this interview. There is a question about whether Gamergate is a movement with a leadership, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a, a thousand voices with no head, all speaking independently, all claiming a banner, and whether there's any way you can take people if the intent is that there are harassers and non harassers who use the name, if the people who firmly believe this is about journalistic ethics however that works, uh, that um, that they can expel people or prevent them from speaking for Gamergate. So what do you think about Gamergate as a, as a movement, as a topic? I mean, so that's – so from the – I'm sorry. Structurally, he is trying to um, mitigate, derail, minimize and uh, make equivalencies so that 
it isn't about one movement, it isn't about one people, you can't associate it with a group, and that everybody on every side is being attacked, celebrities, otherwise, this is a huge problem, and focusing on Gamergate is an issue. And I'm sorry, there's actually, and so that's, I think that's the structure. The question that I think you wanted to answer, and I'm sorry, I did, I did cut you off on that, was right. the why do you think Gamergate was involved? Since, so, since they didn't tag yeah. at Gamergate, why do you think I, Gamergate was I really was involved? want to go through this and get okay. all of this on the record. This is okay. very important to me. Yes. So the reason I, I know Gamergate was involved is it's so freaking simple. Okay. I'm sitting there. I've been the target of 8chan, specifically the Gamergate room on 8chan. You can go there, like there's a specific thread. It was going wild with them just gleefully attacking me all day Thursday. And then the Gamergate room on 8chan, which is a room for people that believe in Gamergate. And then they were doing that Friday. And I'm watching this specific room attack me. Mm-hmm. So, and now I'm watching this specific thread on 8chan go through and they're researching my life and I'm just watching it white. Like I'm, I'm horrified as this is happening. And like many, you know, software people, like I'm sitting there, I'm scrolling Twitter and I'm watching this on one hand, like, you know, I did this robotically. It's probably very sad. So I'm I'm sitting there and I watch them. Boom. They dox me. And somebody goes like, oops, did I do that? And they post my picture and they show this, like this one picture of me. And then they show my address. And then it was like moments later. It, well, then the, the room starts going like, oh, my God. Oh, Brianna did that. Oh, no, I don't believe it. And then moments later, it's on my Twitter. And it's being tweeted at me. So it seems impossible to me that like this didn't happen one after the other, particularly when I am a target due to Gamergate. Like, what else could I possibly be doing besides Gamergate that would be, like, attracting death threats well, to let me? me. Ask like, you, is it a yeah. crazy isometric fan? Is it somebody unhappy with Ref60? Well, <laughs> let me it, ask you yeah, this question. Yeah, I'll take, yeah. I mean, from deriving yeah. from these, like, seven or eight questions about yeah. it, let me ask you, I think what's a legitimate question, is it fair to take 8chan as the avatars of Gamergate when there's clearly thousands of people involved in tweeting about it and have different agendas and motives. Is it fair to take those people and then from that group that's doing, you know, something that's possibly even illegal in 8chan by posting your personal information, right. it's possible they committed a computer crime depending on what they did. Uh, so that's not a judgment call. That's like, you know, it's, I don't know if they ever get prosecuted for it, but that is, it, it's possibly an illegal activity and you saw it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it is it right to blame Gamergate as a movement for the person who took that and had the disease of the mind that led them to decide that they should use that as a threat against you to try to, to silence you. Is Absolutely. it right to do that? Absolutely. Okay, so why, 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 how can one person speak for a movement that claims to have no one speaking for them? Yeah, I mean, this is the no true Scotsman thing, right? <laughs> okay, and it's, yeah. this, it's this logical fallacy. It just denies any of the consequences of the movement or anything that they're doing. And with all respect, it's complete hogwash. It is just BS. It's what my mom calls Barbara Streisand. It's just, <laughs> it's oh. just, it's, it's crap. It, it's so dishonest. Guys, look, I will, <laughs> you gotta own this stuff. Like, let's be adults and be honest here. Like, your movement, I know, and I have compassion. There are some people there that just don't have a lot of awareness about harassment and don't understand 
what their actions are. But I understand that not everybody that believes in Gamergate is a screaming misogynist slash Ku Klux Klan member slash, you know, homophobe slash whatever. I, I understand that. But the fact is, like, this is a movement that has been targeting me for a long time. It had been targeting me before I was doxxed. Um, you know, I've, I, I've been the subject of harassment by Gamergate for a long time. And it, it's just, it's, it's, I, I just don't even know what to say with this. It. Like that film critic Hulk thing you were talking about, where it's like, it's, it's this cult or this mob that just shifts the target of attack so you can't lock onto any one issue and talk about it like an adult. I'm sorry. Like if you guys are doxing me and then moments later I get, Twits, you know, threats on Twitter. I'm sorry, you guys are involved. Oh, Gamergate and, is involved. Yeah, and there's also I think there's something that's coming up too, which is that um, the even though there's not a, I mean, I don't. This is I'm trying to both editorialize, and not editorialize, and I think I'm making my bias clear. I'm, and I am asking the tough yeah, question. Yeah, you, you've which made is, your bias too, clear, cool. but it's but it's yeah. uh, but um, you know, and I it's the. I'm seeing the movement, and by when I say the movement, I'm saying people who tell me that they're for, say, the ethics and journalism issue, and I look through their timeline, and they say they represent a core voice or core kind of voice, and I see them retweeting the latest terrible person of the day, like the lawyer from California, whose name I don't even want to mention, who has leapt into it, and, and um, uh, Chris Cluey, the former NFL player, who's a very progressive voice, um, he's at it with that person. God knows what will happen, if there will be legal action or whatever. But when I see uh, – was it Fart to Continue or somebody like that who has been involved with a bunch of other terrible stuff? I'm seeing people who when someone says, I am in it for the ethics. I don't care about this other stuff. I don't want people to harass. And then I look at their timeline and I see them retweeting and responding to people who are – Actively, some of them declare themselves leaders or part of the central part of the movement, of which there is apparently none. And and those who commit active acts of doxing or repeat doxing, you're still doxing someone if the information is out there on the internet. When you retweet it and spread it, you are still engaged in the same act. You're still exposing that yeah. person's private information. So all so it's difficult for me when people say there is no harassment in Gamergate. It's about <laughs> ethics. And then I see their timeline – I know where their true sympathy lies, and it may not be that they're misogynistic, but they buy into a narrative that allows the fostering of people whose loudest voices are involved in the greatest abuse and harassment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and yeah, I completely agree with that, obviously. Uh, but let's get their nearest questions. Like, what else? What These else? Are all, well, what I gotta else, say, we're yeah. answering them as we answer, answer okay. them as we go. So, um, so I think you know, I think we dealt with this broad subject of uh, you know through all these questions about. Um, you know, so are you going to delete the tweet in which you blame Gamergate? No, of course that? not. Of course not. I am. <laughs> listen, I put my, I have put it all on the line, my reputation, my sanity, my sleep. I mean, I. This has been horrible going through this. Like what Gamergate has put me through. I've put it all on the line to kind of just draw public attention to what these people are doing to women in this field. Am I going to delete that tweet? Hell no. I completely stand by everything I've said on Gamergate. I think it's a horrible movement. I can have compassion for the people there and their motivations, and I can understand right. that, but it's disastrous for the industry. It's Really, 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 really disastrous for women in this field who are all scared to death. And I've had I, many I, private conversations yeah, on that topic, despite absolutely. the way I won't mention names, but absolutely. I've had that conversation every day. Completely. So 
they had no. Okay. Well, no. so here's the thing. So let me let me go through a few more, and where there's a specific question, I will make sure you please, get a please, chance please, to please, answer it. So it's uh, we got through. Uh, what should we done about the raft? Okay. Yeah. So what should we done be done about the raft of stories that place the blame? For this squarely at the feet of Gamergate supporters, or do you think the movement had it coming for being associated so closely with threats and abuse to women in the games industry? You just answered that question. Well, I want to uh, answer that more. I want wait, to no, wait. We're going to be okay. on the air for three hours. You did. No, no, you no. Did, no. I'm going to fight you because you did. I'll right. be very quick. Okay. If if feminism <laughs> did what Gamergate has done to oh. to men, I would yeah. not be part of that movement, or I would really think about it. So. I, I I just think there's got to be a moment here where you guys have a moment of intellectual honesty and look at this movement and look at what it's doing to people and 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 just think about your actions like we are the standards we're held to you know like we we are the choices we make so yeah, yeah. we yeah okay um I was you were brief I'll let you do that yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I'll try we, to, yeah. we talked – I'm sorry. We, so we talked about this next one. In my experience, people in fear of their lives tend not to announce it on Twitter. And the police generally instruct threat targets not to announce their whereabouts. Why did you publicize the threats against you? Do you understand why some people might consider it to have been opportunistic? You were, after all, hardly a neutral observer. I think you have covered that, okay? Yeah, I think right. so. I was angry. I was angry. Uh, On October 6th, you tweeted, and this is, again, I think we just talked about it. You tweeted, Gamergate is a madness that dreams it's a revolution. What do you mean by that? And that's just a fair question, and you answer that. Ah, okay, this is a critical one. Let us talk about this, because this goes to the nature of factual basis and the the (laughs) – ah, all right, I'm going to read this. This is the question. Some people are unhappy with you. Because they say you created a meme about them that used an image of an autistic child. They say, in effect, you started it. Are you blameless in this situation or did you stoke the fires on purpose? So I want to clear something up as I – and I haven't looked into this because I didn't make this meme. I, I think you could tell that's by the st- bad – yeah. That's I, start, I mean start with that is that this is not a meme you created. And right. I can look at your tweets where it's about and I can see where you – how this – I mean people can look back at the public record yeah. archived and you know online. Man, I, I have to say, like, you can look at the bad Photoshop job. Like, I'm a professional graphic designer. And, yeah. Um, so, uh, as I understand, and I didn't make this, so I haven't looked into it a lot. But as I understand, it's a standard image of a child crying. Um, what I've heard is that it was used in some autism presentation. But, like, I looked it up on Google, and I forget what my term was. It was, like, child throwing a temper tantrum or something like that. And it was there. And this is what the person that made it told me that they searched for. So, you know, if it is an autistic child, God, I mean, you know, my isometric co-host, Steve, um, you know, he has two daughters on the spectrum. So um, I'm sorry. I would, I would never ever want to do anything that would attack the autistic. I think the truth of that is they're they're trying to dig up dirt on me. Um, did I throw the first punch? No. I mean, it's it's certainly snarky humor. If you follow me on Twitter at all, you're gonna know that's just my personality. Um, you know, I've been I've been critical of Gamergate for quite a while oh, yeah. now. So I want to um, I want to move yeah. one question up. It comes a couple later, but it's exactly related to this. Please, so please, please. this is the question. You created a Twitter account by the name of Jake Harper or yes. Rolls, which <laughs> used the Gamergate hashtag to tweet jokes about Tomb Raider death scenes and erections. Sure. Do you understand why some observers might consider you a provocateur? 
Yeah, I do. If I'm going to be honest, um, you know, this is a, a parody account. Um, I, like many creative people, have an idea sometimes. And I'm like, ha, 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 that would be funny. Let me do it. So the idea was with this whole not your shield thing, <laughs> like they had created some of the most ridiculous fake accounts ever. Like, I forget what one of them was. It was like, um, black a feminist gamer or something like that. And the Twitter bio is like, Black feminist gamer, very pro Gamergate, and it's just so laughable if you read read the tweets that were going for it. Like it was very obviously a fake account. So what I thought would be funny would be to create this account called Bro Lols, and the idea was it was a frat boy, like the core white male gamer that was a feminist sock puppet, and you know it was like the tweets are things like. Uh, yo, just chilling out in my dorm, blowing people's heads off and reading our bodies ourselves. And it's just <laughs> supposed to be right. like... It's just supposed to be silly. Did and you stupid. use the account to call individual people out, to criticize people, no, to make fun of them individually? Well, hold on. I want to finish. Oh, okay. I want to finish saying this. No, so, no, I need to so, leap in no, and be. No, 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 sorry. no, no. <laughs> I want to be very clear about this. So my biggest worry from the beginning with this was people would perceive me as making a sock puppet, which they did, which is why I announced it in no uncertain terms from my Twitter account. And I said, hey, this is a parody account. I forget what exactly it was I tweeted, but I wanted to be very clear. Like, this is a parody account that I, Brianna Wu, made for to be funny. And I think you I retweeted think the from it too, right? Funny. Yeah. Didn't you, you retweet it into your account? Yeah, I, I right. found out about the account because you had started it and yeah. you tweeted about it. Um, as far as that particular Tomb Raider tweet, here's the honest to God truth with it. The Gamergator tweeted that particular joke first. And listen, I completely disagree with, with Gamergate. But you gotta hand it to 4chan. Sometimes they're funny. They're, so you, they're you really you funny. That. So oh, it was something that Gamer Gator had tweeted. And I laughed. You know, the actual joke was just because I, I masturbate to the death scenes and Tomb Raider doesn't make me a misogynist. That is dark humor, but that is funny to me. <laughs> okay, and I just. I'm, I hate myself for laughing, yeah, but I, la- and I laughed. And I retweeted right. that joke under Brolols. Right. Which is, you know, and that it's obviously a little dark. <laughs> and I'm sorry for that. I think I ended up deleting it, if I remember right. It's supposed to be humor. I'm a human being. I find things funny. Right. But I want to yeah. yeah. get the – I have a hard-hitting question, which yeah. is – no, seriously, is yeah. is the difference between um, parody and abuse. Did you attack people from that account? Did you call people names? No. Did you – Call people out? No, no. I, I I try not to even do that from my my main Twitter account. I know. Like, you're actually I, pretty, I think this is the funny part is yeah, you're pretty discreet about that. That's it, if it, you it look takes at a lot it, to get yeah. you over the threshold yeah. to actually critique somebody. And um, all right, so if, let's. It, well, hold on. I want to answer yes. this completely. Like, if you look at my this Twitter, is going to be the seventeen hour yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah. If I, you're... I'm trying to go quickly, Glenn, but no, uh, like Adam Baldwin was an exception where I did he he attacked me personally and I put those tweets there and I said. This dude's attacking me and sending a mob and posting a video that's libelous. I do feel that video is libelous. But generally speaking, if you look at my Twitter, I haven't attacked Milo. I've tried to not do him there, you know, do it here tonight, even though that's not a respect he's paid me on Twitter. Um, I certainly didn't do that from the Brolols account. And I can say, generally speaking, I try not to go after 
individuals and attack them. Generally speaking, I just block. And I feel like I have my audience, I have my show, I have a large number of Twitter followers. And I just, I think like when you wrestle with the pig, you're both getting the mud and it's, <laughs> you both look bad. So I'm sure people are going to research this and find examples of me going after people. I, I completely concede the idea of that. But generally speaking, I try not to. Right. And I well, didn't so do it with Brill Walls. So. Here's two yeah. uh, related 8chan questions. And I, mm-hmm. Let me ask them back to back. And then I think there's probably – I actually think there's you've addressed most of it. Is, so the first was, why is it harassment when 8chan and Gamergate members replied with their own versions of a meme you started about them? The way one person put it to me, that being Milo, was it seems that uh, like Brianna joined a pillow fight and was playing too rough. Then someone hit her with a pillow full of bricks. Yeah. Then you mentioned that this 8chan thread was 60 pages long. To people who don't know about internet culture – that sounds like a gigantic torrent of unpleasant content, but any creative or meme thread on any board runs that long, doesn't it? Wasn't this just stirring the pot? So, so what about 8chan? What about those things? You know, was this, uh, you know, you, uh, this is a, a Gamergate responding to the meme. Uh, this is just the way the internet is. What do you think about that? Sure. Um, so the first question was, didn't I start it and wasn't like coming to a pillow fight and getting hit by a brick? I think that that comment really belies their intentions there, that it was to hit me, Brianna Wu, with a pillow with a brick in it. Yeah, I think you can look at the the comments there from that meme, and they're just constantly attacking me and making fun of me and making fun of feminists, and it's, it's, it's clearly aimed towards me. And if not for me specifically, then, you know, people people like me uh you know very specifically women uh you know they're anti-gamergate so um i can tell you i personally felt extremely attacked by that um you know i posted some of the the more egregious examples uh you know, they were they were horrible like they were they were very very disturbing things that you guys had that hn had posted about me that was that first question. What was the second part of that question? Well, the line? second I yeah. think is I don't know. It's it's a very it's similar. It's like you know, isn't this the? Um, oh, it's weren't you stirring the pot because this is just what the internet's like, right? It, it's just a gigantic torrent of unpleasant content. This is just kind of you know what happens on boards. What does it matter? Why? Why, well, why were you stirring with the, the pot? sixty page thing? I have to be honest. Um, I've barely ever gone. I forget even what the name of the site was. Was it a meme generator or something? Oh, yeah. And it's it's I've barely gone there. I have no idea if sixty pages is the norm or not. Um, I know that HM bragged about posting thousands of images, and I'll take their word for it. So, um, is there some back and forth? Yep, sure. Completely fair point. Like, I see this all the time. Like, you've got gamer gators enjoy attacking anti-gamer gators, and then we do it back to you, and Starbelly sneeches, and, you know, it's, yeah, to- totally fair. All right, so uh, we're actually getting towards the end of the questions. I okay. think these next ones are actually simpler because we've covered a lot of the material. But So every movement on the Internet has extremists at its fringes. Why do you think Gamergate is being held to such an impossibly high standard? Isn't this like blaming all Muslims for the actions of ISIS? Can, can you repeat that one more time? You cut out a little. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. yeah. We'll, 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 we'll fix it in post. Every movement on the internet has extremists at its fringes. Why do you think Gamergate is being held to such an impossibly high standard? Isn't this like blaming all Muslims for the actions of ISIS? Hmm. I think you well, addressed that with I, the model Scotland, think, though, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Um, I don't think Gamergate is being held to impossibly high standards. I mean, I... I 
I, again, like I've told this story many times, and I'm not going to repeat it now, but all the women that have been bullied out of tech, all the horror stories, all the rampant misogyny, all the women that are flat out terrorized in the environment that they've created, this isn't a few extremists. This is the core part of the culture that is very angry at women like myself. They're trying to make video games more inclusive. So it's not the core, it's not the fringes of the movement. It's not just one nut that, that doxed me. The, the problem with Gamergate is at its core, it doesn't matter if I'm a developer, it doesn't matter if I've been gaming since 1985, Gamergaters see me as an outsider and they see the culture as theirs. And because of that, they have a lot of unconscious assumptions that they don't understand are very hostile towards me. So I, I, I do feel strongly that the core of the movement is misogynistic in ways it doesn't understand or misogynistic. Yeah, and, these, and so the next question is, you've just answered it, is do you believe Gamergate is full of misogynists, racists, and homophobes? I, I think this is a hard question to answer, and I, I know we want to wrap this up, but I want to, I want to talk about my own personal enlightenment. enlightenment. I, like many people, my views on gay people have evolved over the course of my life. Um, you know, I grew up in Mississippi, um, and, and my worldview has, has broadened as I've gotten older. Um, I could tell you that Brianna, when she was 12, when she was 18, you know, I used to have attitudes that were frankly sexist, and I didn't understand that they were sexist. If you'd asked me, I wouldn't have said that I was a sexist. Uh, but I did have attitudes that were, were harsh towards women. And I also had those attitudes towards you know gay people at certain points of my life. So what I would say is the we've made – God, and this is a big topic. We've made <laughs> sexism such a loaded, horrible word – to like call someone a sexist like brings up this madman stereotype and it says to them they're the worst person on earth. That's not the reality of sexism. The truth is we are all boiling, we're all infected with sexism and racism and, and homophobia. My my husband, even, sometimes my husband will say something to me, then I'll have to say, Hold on, Frank, I I think that's a little I, I don't like you saying that towards me. Um, I think that's a little misogynistic. He might not understand it. It doesn't mean Frank is a sexist. He's not. But, you know, we all have attitudes that that can be – be. It's, it's this thing you raise your consciousness on. Does, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it, although, it's something you acquire. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to poke back the please, original please, question because I think it's actually good, which is like there's – I think there's the uh, – is the like hateful – ideology yeah. as opposed to human nature let's yeah. say so it's one thing to have um let me here look i'm going to just say something i lived in uh, new haven connecticut for five years went to yale graduated lived there for a year uh most of the student population was white mm -hmm. right most of new haven a uh, good portion were was african-american and there was a good portion of, of like middle class uh lower income and also low income uh, italian americans but a lot of people around campus were black a lot of poor people lived around campus because there were projects right behind it. Uh, I absolutely, when I see a black person walking down the street at night, I, I go through all kinds of things because mm -hmm. I lived in a city where that was essentially a dangerous, a dangerous thing to be a white person in that city. And it wasn't a hostility by all blacks against all whites, but it's part of the calculus of safety 
that I go through. And I know that. And I fight that. And I think about that. And I know that I have racism in me. And I know I have all these things in me, right? And so does yeah. Frank and so do you and so forth. Yeah. So there, that's one side, right? Acknowledging it. I think, and I want to actually give Milo credit. And he's talked about, he's gay. And he talks about that openly being in the, you know, uh, sort of right wing uh, establishment being gay is not necessarily an easy thing, and it's a place that he's made for himself. And it's there's no criticism of that. I don't bring that up as a criticism at all. Um, so when he asks this question, or when he poses the question, "Do you believe Gamergate is full of misogynists, racists, and homophobes?" I think he asks it from a place that's his own because he's clearly, he certainly has experienced homophobia, uh, and he's clearly, uh, you know, and so he's allied. He's part of a group that. Uh, does experience hateful ideology where people practice and enforce it. So there's that implicit kind, but then there's the people going after. So, so I think I want to ask that question again is do you think Gamergate is full of people who are not just engaged in a lack of self-reflection, but are actually engaged in hateful ideology to harm other people organized around misogyny? I, I think there is every range of misogynist in Gamergate. I think you have the entire spectrum there. I think you have people there that find rape funny and just have no empathy for women and see us as barely human and, and hate mm-hmm. us openly. And I've seen tweets from those people. Um, and I've seen, you know, 8chan discussions uh, that, that are horrifically misogynistic. I feel poisoned when I read them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm losing part of my humanity. They're so disturbing. Um, especially when they talk about rape sometimes. It's, it's, it's hard. I think Gamergate has that level of it. I think you have people that are angry towards women and think like putting us in our place is justice and don't think that that, that's misogynist. I think you have people that have kind of lesser unconscious bias towards women. Like they might go into the Apple store to buy a computer and they're going to talk to the man instead of the woman Mm -hmm. that's standing there. Right. So, so you, you posit yeah. there's a spectrum from I, I do I from do maybe implicit mm-hmm. to all the way to explicit practice to to probably there being people there that are not you know and I think well, that's like, fair well there's people I mean the not your shield God sure. I don't want to bring that up because oh, we talk God. about that yeah, yeah, that's yeah. another hour but not your shield let me just say without let's ah uh, gosh I don't and I think you got I think you've talked about that elsewhere mm-hmm. too so I, but it's the it's the Nobody, uh, let's see, nobody outside of Gamergate. I don't want to define it as anti-Gamergate because there's a spectrum of response yeah, to it. Yeah. But let's say nobody outside of Gamergate would try to claim that there are no women, people of color, gay people, whatever other characteristics or combinations you want to apply to people, that there are no people like that who support what they believe to be the central right. stance of Gamergate, which is often expressed as – uh, ethics and journalism, but sure. also can encompass the things like having no problem whatsoever with the current way in which women and other people are depicted inside of games. So in that broad spectrum, you can say, of course, there are people of color, gay people. Yeah, yeah. I want to say that on the record. I completely agree and understand there are women that are part of Gamergate. And I, I guess I can't think of a black person I've ever met personally that is part of Gamergate, but I mean, they probably I've seen exist. Pictures okay. posted. I, actually, I'm going to call you, I'm going to call sure, you test sure, because sure. there was one thing that was said in an interview that people highlighted on Twitter and I thought it was a fair point related sure. to this to bring up, which is, which is, uh, I think you said something very loose. You said not your shield is all sock puppets. Is that what you said? And is if, that If I believe? said that, then I, I completely retract that and I, okay. I apologize th- uh, for that. A lot I, of I sock puppets yeah. in it. I, mean, I, I do you know, believe it's a lot of sock puppets. Andy and Bayo just did the 
analysis you can find on Medium, he looked yeah. at three days of tweets and he found the like the registration date and so forth. And it's not that they're all sock puppet accounts, but I can't tell you the number of burner and fake accounts. Yeah. I mean, I've blocked hundreds or thousands of people in the last few weeks. Yeah. And so many of those accounts have either fake avatars, they have copied biographies, or they use pictures of people who they are not. Yeah. And they claim to be. So, so I, I think, I think a lot of those of people. Some or, I yeah, think a lot of those people are sock puppets. If I listen, one of the the secrets of doing media is you're constantly talking off the top of your head. Like I don't get questions in advance. Something I try to do as I represent myself in media is I don't try to set up a setting where I know the questions in advance. And do you know what? Well, I guess this is kind of that. But do you know what I mean? Like I want to represent. I want to let the journalist when I go on media, do their thing, and then to just answer their questions honestly right. and on the fly. So sometimes I'm going to say something that's inarticulate. And clearly, I, I don't remember saying that. If I do say that, I, I retract that. I'm sorry. I think it's a great to yeah. clarify that. Yeah. Okay, so next question, which I think is actually um, uh, an exceptionally good one. We talked a bit about it earlier. Um, but I think this is a great question, actually. <laughs> like I say, people are like, you're going to make fun of all my those questions. Like, no, we're critiquing some of them because of bias in the question. But this is the question. Why do gamers object to feminist critiques of video games so much? Is it because they hate women? Or is it because they simply find the work of Anita Sarkeesian ridiculous and her analyses flawed? Now, it's a great question because it sets up two different straw men and no other position. Yeah. But I think the, the, the first part, why do gamers object to feminist critiques of video games so much, is completely valid. Why, why? I mean, we talked about this throughout a bit, but... Do you have a do you have a theory? Do you want to talk? You don't have to talk about it anymore because we talked about it so much. I mean, I feel like I've answered that. I feel like the yeah. reason they object to Nita Sarkeesians, they they feel like we're gonna take their culture away. You know, I grew up in Mississippi. Let me tell you a very quick story. Um so in Mississippi, the Republican Party at one point were trying to find out a good strategy and a good message to use against the Democrats. And they found this this one question that just tested off the charts like it was just crazy how much uh like republicans in mississippi responded to this question and that question was um the democrat or this statement rather and the statement was the democrats are trying to take away your culture and that just tested mm. through the roof because they felt like their their culture was under assault and growing up i used to think that like the south was the most awful place on earth and that some of the problems I saw there were limited to the South. I no longer believe that because I, I've seen so many of these so clearly in Gamergate. I think Gamergate is angry as Neo Sarkeesian and people like myself because they fear we're going to take your culture away. And I don't think I, I personally find the criticisms of her video to be deeply sexist generally and, and frankly stupid. Uh, I've never seen one that I thought was vaguely intellectual or honest. Um, so I think it's it's a cultural thing there. That's, that's I, what I believe. Please, please. Can I bring this one thing up, which yeah. is I have some family from the South, not the Deep South, but Tennessee yeah. and thereabouts. My grandmother was from the South, and, and sometimes if I talk too long to people from the South, I start sounding like a Southerner. It right, just happens. Right. It is not I can go right back there, and I just, I yep. just start doing it. I just start Absolutely. talking like my relatives in Tennessee. Mm -hmm. And I love the South. I love the South. And okay. I, I don't have the bias against it that a lot of Northerners have because I have family from there. Confederate flag. When you tell people, we're going to take the Confederate flag away from you. It's an illegal symbol, symbol of hatred. I 
firmly don't believe, despite all the association with it, despite even the fact that I think it's inappropriate for states to display it, despite all the associations with it, I completely understand why there are, I completely believe and understand there are people for whom the Confederate flag is an important cultural symbol and you're yep. cutting their heart out. Yep. And for them, it is not about racism. For them, it is not about – it is culture. And even if at the heart of it, the root of it, they don't even understand it and there is a racist heart to it. That's not how they feel about it. And I, I feel – see, I started talking Southerner while we talk. It's, right, right, right. And I feel when we talk about Gamergate, sometimes I think about the Confederate flag and I say, oh, it's a terrible symbol of our past. As a northerner, I have no association with it. My, some of my family does. Some of your family does, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think – should we, as a country, should we make it illegal like a swastika is in Germany? Should we make the Confederate flag illegal? Oh, my God. Free speech. I mean, could we really do that? We shouldn't do that. But is it appropriate? Is it appropriate to use it given all the ideas that are bound up with it? That's what I hear sometimes in Gamergate is that exact thing. I, I'm not going to take a, a stand in the Confederate flag because I, <laughs> I think it's a longer discussion. I do think that's a fantastic analog uh, because I think there are people here that – don't understand all the deep the deep sexism that's currently existing in video game culture and the way women are portrayed and you know what I talk about mostly in my professional life is dev practices and hiring practices and but I think it's like the confederate flag people don't want to take it away that's fantastic I agree I well good and 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 then you can have a law oh my god you can have the endless discussion about it but that's a framing mechanism. I'm talking like a southerner. This is so funny. Remember my grandma? She was a great woman. Um, all right. So yeah, let's, Josh, Josh Centers is uh, <laughs> is approving of our southern accents. That's we, good. we should that's do good. this for you the rest real, of the show. You have a real one. Mine is all just, right, Glenn. Let's get going. Oh, it just it comes right. out. I love, I love that family. All right. So we have a few more questions to go here. Uh, and I, I actually think this is a um, this is a pointed one. Um, it would have been more pointed coming from Milo, I think, but also uh, I'll, t- I'll read the question. I'll tell you why. So why do you think organizations such as GamerX, that's G-A-Y-M-E-R-X, a support organization for LGBT gamers, are so reluctant to engage with people who don't share their politics? What's the point of a safe space if it's only there for some people? Isn't it more like an elitist club? And I, and I want to point out personally, as Glenn, not as reading a Milo question, that uh, I support. I've, I've interviewed Matt Kahn, who is one of the prime movers of it. Uh, uh, he's been on my show at least once on the New Disruptors and uh, the, my now canceled show. And uh, I contributed at least once or twice to Kick Gamer X Kickstarter. I think it's a great thing. It's yeah. uh, there were all kinds of structural problems. They learned a lot, went nuts. They're doing a new one, and they had this. So we, I don't know if we want to go into the social media explosion because that's there's a lot of detail and there's hard feelings and whatever, but. Um, I think this question structurally was uh, – uh, actually, I want, to, I want you to answer or, or hear his question and answer it because I think it's better. What's the point of a safe space if it's only there for some people and related, related to GamerX? Sure. Um, I guess I don't feel like I can speak for GamerX uh, because I don't work there. Um, but I, I can say what I felt like – was at the heart of that. And again, this is just speculation. Like I'm just Brianna Wu tech feminist. Um, but I, I think the sense is and gamer gators don't understand this. Is that the culture of Gamergate is deeply scary, uh, to anyone that's kind of not part of it. And it doesn't feel safe and it does feel violent. And you, know, you can look at the death threats that have happened to me, the women that have been harassed out of the industry and, you know, it, there's a reason that, like, 
you know, if I look at someone that's gay or someone that's black, I generally feel like we're on the same page because we're fighting the same forces, you know? Mm -hmm. So I I can't speak for Gamergate. And I I do think it's possible to be a gay Republican. Uh, Yeah, I've met them. Uh, Milo's one. So that's cool. There's probably... A wider conversation to be to be had there, but the truth is, if you're setting policy for for a con, it it has to unfortunately be kind of simple, and it also has to be about setting culture and setting symbols. And I felt like distancing themselves from Gamergate, which is a, a movement that I believe is very very clearly about misogyny, and now at this point publications all around the world have said is about misogyny, you know, like as an industry, we've kind of come out and judged it that way. Um, I, I do think it creates an unsafe space. So that's what I yeah, believe. Yeah. I think we, I think we could say it's like, we really legitimately could say not all gamer gators, like gamer yeah. as a movement has been corrupted and it started from a corrupt beginning. Yeah. Um, and that does not mean that all gamer gators are corrupt, but the movement is. And I think that's what a lot of writing has been about. Uh, what in your view, this is Milo question, has gone wrong with video games journalism? Who are the main culprits? Do you agree with Gamergate that there is a problem in video games journalism? Now, me speaking as Glenn, I realize this is fraught because you make a product that is reviewed by video games journalists. You have sure. some friends who are in the field. Um, your product's been widely reviewed. So, you know, I think this is a good place to talk about it, to say ethically, you know, you are in a difficult position where speaking frankly could actually cause you harm if you feel there's, uh, you know, a real thing going on. But I, I think the question is... is no, uh, no. I'm my public persona is being direct about stuff like it's this. It's true. So, but I think, um, it's, I think it's valid to mention. Sure. Um, I, I truly believe that the problems of ethics and video game journalism are, are generally far overblown. Um, I know many journalists in this field. I know journalists that work for IGN, Kotaku, Polygon, uh, Joystick, you, you name it. I, I know a lot of journalists in this field. It is my opinion that almost every person I know that's a journalist in this field takes their ethics really, 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 really seriously. And I really believe that generally speaking, when they go to work, they're trying to present an opinion in a review and is what they genuinely believe. Uh, I, I do believe that. I think that there have been some real problems. I think of the Jeff Gersman incident with uh, Kanan Lynch, uh, you know, I think that was horrible. And I, I absolutely think that game journalists are too close to game developers. Um, one friendship that I find, I personally, me, Brianna Wu, just the IGN reader, I think Greg Miller and Colin Mortiardi are too close to Sony. I think when they talk about whining and dining and trips to the bar and parties like that, for me, it it personally lessens my faith in their coverage, even though I have respect for them as journalists and and as people in this field. So I do think we have ethical issues in journalism. I think we have, I I think we have issues in journalism across the board, not in just in, in game dev. That said, I think it's completely disproportionate to the issues at hand. It's just blown beyond out of proportion. It's sure not worth terrorizing every woman in this field over. <laughs> well, nothing, nothing should be. You know, I want to sidebar just for one second Please. because I think we, I think there's one thing we did not talk about. Gosh, you know what? I oh my gosh, I missed one question, which I actually thought was very important. Um, I'm going to cycle back. 
the question was, and I think this is absolutely worth discussing in, in, you know, it won't be seven hours, but why do you think the women on the pro-Gamergate side, some of whom have also been doxxed and threatened, have received no press coverage at all? I think that's a very interesting question from a variety of standpoints. How, how I, would you answer that? Well, I, I, I personally have not seen that, so it may or may not exist. So I, I, I just want to say that, like, I can't verify that that is a fact. But just for the purposes of this discussion, let's let's assume it's 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 true. So the question is, why haven't they why been it covered? Why haven't they coverage? And I. Yeah, I just want to pipe in, which is I have been asking actually for days for people because I hear this and I'm like, OK, this would suck. I would hate – you know, I don't want yeah. anyone yeah. – you know, this is Adobe's statement today when we recorded right. this. Adobe said, hey, look, you know, um, we didn't we didn't mean to get sucked into Gamergate. We weren't advertising on Gawker anyway. But you know what? We don't stand for, for bullying or assault. You know, anything that Gamergate stands for, there's a whole – people can go read the Adobe statement. I'm being incoherent right now. But, but – um, this is how I feel too. I know it's how you feel. None of us, um, I'm not out there threatening people, threatening to dox them, expose their information, threatening to harm them. There's some people sure. I think legal action maybe should be taken against them because of their uh, of their hateful, maybe uh, litigious or, or libel actions, yeah. which is a different thing than me threatening personally to sue them because I have no standing um, or interest in doing that. Um, but I want to know, are there people who consider themselves in opposition to Gamergate of which I don't think there's no group like you and I are not in a group that is anti Gamergate or that is we don't have a group we're we're people outside of Gamergate observing it and trying to react to it right right um, so I well, want to no, know no no I'm, I'm very well, okay. much at the center to be fair I mean I'm I'm clearly one of the the people well, no, involved but, with this yeah no no that's not what I okay that's not I'm what sorry I mean. yeah am I no wait, it's I'll, one I'll o'clock in the morning this. here I just want oh say my god that. I know so, yeah, is yeah. the uh, yeah so it's so there's Gamergate as a movement people can rally around that and okay. they say different things about it there is not a movement called. Um, uh, Sarkeesian gate <laughs> or right, right, like right. there are a lot of different opinions on the other side, which I don't think all of us are carrying the same flag, but yeah, we all yeah, feel yeah. like we're responding to. So it's a little bit like there's a castle at the middle and they're firing arrows out and we're standing here going, why are you firing arrows into our village as opposed sure, to sure. two castles? Anyway. Yeah, that's what it feels like to me. I, I guess I would say this, um, you know, if there are any women that have been doxxed or harassed, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I, you know, I want to know about You have the apologies from Brianna Wu. Um, I do think Polygon, I did NPR today with the editor-in-chief of Polygon, and they are, I think they're looking into Gamergators who have been harassed. I think I would have to be very cold and pragmatic and say I think part of it is that I was kind of a public figure in game development before this. Uh, you know, I have a show on 5x5, I own a game dev company, I'm not just a consumer, mm -hmm. you know, I think if I were just a consumer, no matter what side I was on, uh, I don't think I would have gotten the coverage that I, I have. So I, 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 I'm not trying to minimize your situation if this has happened to anyone that's listening. I'm sorry about that. I think it's part of where the people that have been attacked are in the industry. I, uh, I also want to say I have asked, including people I know who are, I want to say, sympathetic or when I've had these discussions mm -hmm. with people who lie with Gamergate and said, 
show me. I want to see. I want to know what's going on because I'm not hearing right. it. If it's happening or we're not hearing it, there is something wrong. There is actually a bias in games journalism or mainstream journalism if these attacks are happening and we're not seeing them. So – and what I'm usually pointed to is is a, like nasty tweets as opposed to abusive doc threatening like – Things that are specifically attacking individuals in a way that would lead them to be fearing for themselves. I'm completely sincere about this as I know you are. If it's happening, it's abhorrent and it should stop. I don't think anyone should actually ever insult anybody else like 99.99% of the time either. I don't think you should use – I actually don't think people should use harsh terms to each other. I'm not trying to be a – I don't know what's the word, like like a Pollyanna, but I think like most of the discourse that happens is too much. But like this is the even beyond – I don't even support that. So this is even beyond that. All right. Yeah. So final question. Final question. Yay, this is, and this is the most British – I know. You're so – you've got a lot of endurance. This is the most British of all questions and I'll, I can tell you why if you don't know. <laughs> this, do you have any suggestions about how the industry could move forward? Do you support Damien Schubert's idea for a consumer body? Should there be some kind of press charter? What's your view? I, you know, and I said this to, to Milo when he sent that to me. I, I don't know much about that particular thing. Um, so I, I truly don't have an opinion. I, I don't think game dev needs a consumer body. I think the most pressing issue in game journalism is a lack of diversity. It's overwhelmingly dudes. It's flat out sexist. It doesn't matter how many women make games if the only people reviewing games are men. Uh, so, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have much of an opinion on that. Well, here's the funny thing too, is I would say, and this comes up is, um, because in America we have a very strong right to free speech, not absolute people mm-hmm. sometimes they say we do, and there are free speech absolutists, but you can't shout fire in a crowded theater and you can't say, the activation words for an iPhone in a crowded Apple store. No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, <laughs> Some people would say Ahoy Telephone, but that's not the actual name. Uh, but so I'm sorry, that's too obscure. And it's I'm running out of steam too. Yeah, I'm missing say, it. I'm sorry. missing it. Yeah. It's a, it's the uh, how you activate the iPhone six to listen to you. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm sorry. So the but the uh, if you're not a free speech absolutist, and if you listen to how the Supreme Court has interpreted the First Amendment in the last hundred years, uh, we can't do the kind of stuff they do in the UK. The UK has uh, actually has some press oversight and it's um, become invoked because of some of Murdoch's actions and other tabloids oh. actions and, and phone scandals. And so it's a very, it's got a lot of currency there, but I think I'd ask this and just as the last thing is that um, I don't, or maybe it's a statement. I don't know is I am not a games journalist and I, I am a journalist who's written for a lot of mainstream publications and I've had it conform to their ethics rules. And I do think after reading enormous amount of information about this, even though I don't support the central tenet that there's a, you know, overwhelming problem of ethics in games journals, nor that Gamergate is actually about that, that what people want is they want a, a reviews to be written in a different way, essentially, as opposed to, to, sever all ties or they think there's actually large amounts of money exchanging hands, whatever. I don't think that's actually what's going on. But I do think um, it's absolutely true that there are clearly things that are disturbing that happen typically with a lot more money and bigger games involved that aren't being maybe adequately reported on. And I've hmm. seen a lot of incidents and I've seen things that have been documented and, and it and it worries me. And Shadow of Mordor is the you know is the latest example of that it wasn't with the game sites, it was with YouTube reviewers, but there's clearly stuff that's going on there that people aren't being informed about that I think um in the spirit of people wanting to know more about that, maybe a direction that that could happen is you're not going to force it to happen. Maybe there will be more reporting about about the nature of the beast and how the opinions are formed around games and how games are pushed and marketed. So that's all I would say. 
can can I give a final final thought your, about that? This is sure, your sure, podcast. Sure. It is my you podcast. Get the conclusion. So I think being a games journalist is probably a really crappy job. And you know, let me let me say it like this. Um, I recently did a keynote at MIT, and it was me. It was my isometric co-host Maddie Myers. And what I found really really interesting after we we gave this talk is this is MIT. We are in a building. We're like walking into it. They're using like high-tech uh, nanoparticles and baking them to like form super complex shapes. So this is like the heart of awesome engineering stuff. And what I found so interesting after this talk, which was at uh, an engineering place, was that afterwards everyone kind of flocked to Maddie and started asking her questions about being a journalist. And I thought about that for a long time because I thought that was very interesting. And the best thing I can come up with is, and I say this with all respect to people that work in the field, like this, but this is my honest perspective there. I think that it's really hard to be a software engineer or a 3D person or, animate, or an animator or any of these skills. Um, and I think that like thinking through all of that and putting yourself in the place where you can make games is a, it's, it's kind of a step removed. Whereas I think most players can imagine themselves as someone that plays a game and writes about it and gives an opinion about it. So I think that like game journalism is seen as this ultimate goal for most video game consumers. And I think because of that, I think these jobs are held to ridiculous amounts of scrutiny, way out of proportion to, you know, political journalists or, you know, even other types of industry journalism, because the players want to be this games journalist so, so much. And, you know, like, no disrespect to my friends that work in the field, but it seems like low pay and hellish hours and lots of competition. And I just, it just from my side, it seems like we spend so much time hyper examining like games journalism. It just, it, it seems like missing the forest for the trees. Do, do you understand where I'm coming from? I do. And I think it's really valid. This is, I, I, I don't want to have a closing <laughs> statement. I don't want a closing statement to overtake you, but it's, <laughs> um, it's, um, one of the things that's been most, I don't want to say amusing because that sounds patronizing, mm -hmm. but it is a little amusing. One of the things that's been most is it ironic, I don't know the right word, but it's the amount of money that writers make, <laughs> staffers make, yeah. the amount of money that indie developers make or lose, let's say, on net. Most indie games don't make any money. They're labors of love. Some do. And you get a movie like Indie Game, which is great. It's a fast, fascinating movie. And it, they accidentally managed to get Fez and uh, Super Meat Boy, I mean, two of the biggest indie games of the yeah. last several years that uh, I've talked to the filmmakers many times. It was a, it was a fluke. They didn't know what the sales were going to be. They didn't film 17 people. Um, and it was just, they, they hit on really good stories and other people thought they were good stories. So yep. there's not much money. When the word corruption started getting bandied about earlier on, I thought, well, corruption implies that something of value, like something has been corrupted or changed. And, and I'm like, how does losing money, being bankrupt and eating ramen, <laughs> how does that comport with corruption? How do people getting paid literally 5 or $10 an article 
How does that comport with corruption? How does a game's Metacritic score being 0.001 points higher on average because of an apparent review that didn't exist? How would that be? So there's not a lot of money in the field. People do it out of love. They work hard. And um, uh, and where the money is is in the triple gay game studios and how they market and, yeah. and what they do. Yep. Um, Brianna, we have talked for two hours. and Two and minutes. a half hours. So. We have covered this. It is late your time. I thank you for being frank. I hope we were as frank as people expected. I, I, I know disclosed. people will complain anyway and tell me I didn't answer questions. I can tell you, I've tried very hard to be open and honest. So. Well, I will say I'm watching the Twitter stream as we go, and someone, because you have you can't tune in the middle, said, mm-hmm. wait, are they saying Milo didn't get a syringe? I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. You can't tune they're, in they're saying, on the live like, stream. They're, they're saying here, I'm getting a tweet right here, and says, did I just hear Space Cat Gal say she doesn't like fem- Anita Sarkeesian's critiques in this interview? No, I said the exact opposite. So oh, I, I just I, can't yeah. wait for all this mm. nonsense to happen. So it's it's uh it's what it is. So uh, uh, thank you, Steve Lubitz, for letting me sit in the host seat. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you, Brianna, for having me in as as the host, the interlocutor of uh, of questions and walking over this. This has been uh, a special episode of the Isometric podcast it's a podcast that approaches gaming from a different perspective often late at night thanks for having <laughs> me on brianna i'm gonna involve i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna find a different perspective of my dad right now so <laughs> <laughs> the vertical or horizontal. yes yes i will talk to you guys later thank you Glenn.